Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast-free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As DeSager just told you, we got ourselves a heck of a baseball game in Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Philadelphia Phillies up 7-6 here in the bottom of the fifth. couple college football games still going on. Penn State. State up on Minnesota 24-10, Alabama pulling away from Mississippi State, uh, and Kansas State on FS1 is leading TCU. Busy day, busy week as the NBA has started, the NHL has started, NFL college football in full swing, NLCS, ALCS. Jason Martin, how you doing, man? Everything good? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, College football, there's plenty to talk about. NFL seems like it's overflowing with things to talk about. And, yes, the baseball game is what's on my main screen right now as well. When you get 4-3 in the first inning, you know you're probably in for an evening. Right now, 7-6. Who knows where it's going to end because there's still a lot of baseball to be played and there could be more offense to be had. So 
a lot going on. You mentioned the NBA. I'm there, but I'm not all the way yeah. there. It doesn't feel like it's time yet. I just It feels like they just stopped playing three weeks ago, and here we are again. So I, I'm certainly watching, and I watched opening night, and I've paid attention, but my mind is a little bit preoccupied with some other sports right now. By the way, baseball, another update since we got on air. Yeah. Single up the middle, bounces. It was going right to the second baseman, bounces off second base, squirts into the outfield. It is now 8-6. Uh, Phillies up on the Padres in the bottom of the fifth inning. We'll obviously keep you updated there. Philly up 2-1 to one in that series. You know, Jason, you, myself, producer Bo, we were texting before the show. Um I don't know that there's like a a super marquee note from college football today. Uh, Obviously, you know, we're at that time of year where a lot of teams are on buys. Georgia was not playing today. Michigan was not playing. USC was not playing. Uh, And so a little bit of a quieter day. I I don't know what the lead story is. I mean, Clemson was on the ropes for a little bit early. They obviously made that. They they made a quarterback change in the middle of the game. Uh, Cade Klubnick comes in. It allows them to win texas blows a 10 point lead what what, if i said to you and and we still got some games going on texas a&m is again on the ropes very likely to fall to three and four if they lose this game at south carolina uh and we got some other ones throughout the night but if I said to you, by the way, I didn't mention Oregon. I know DeSager just told you, top 10 matchup uh, against UCLA, they dominated. Do you think that Oregon winning the way that they did, do you believe that's the lead story in college football today? And if so, if so, if it's not that, what would you say it is? I would say that's one of them. I definitely think the Clemson story needs to be talked about, but I would suggest that the biggest winner today may have been Georgia because until last week when Tennessee beat Alabama – the biggest win of the season by far was Georgia throttling Oregon in week one. And we were still trying to figure out how good Oregon actually was. But as they continue to rack up wins and Bo Nix is playing the best football I've ever seen him play, that win today over an undefeated UCLA team that was riding high and really feeling themselves, that to me indicates how impressive what Georgia did to them in week one actually was. And even though they didn't play, I think that definitely helped them solidify where they find themselves and where they're likely to find themselves when the rankings come out uh, on Tuesday. Uh, So I think that's one of them. And then the other one is clearly Clemson. And I'm of two minds about this because I understand you have to make moves. But hasn't Dabo been out front a lot lately basically trying to tell people to eat their words about DJ Uyangalile. And the first time that he runs into legit adversity, he ends up with two interceptions. He's struggling against, look, against an undefeated Syracuse team. I don't think anybody thinks that they're a championship contender, but they, but Dino Babers has done wonderful stuff with them this year. And they've had a solid defense pretty much all year long as well. So DJ's struggling. You bench him in the third quarter. So you're telling everybody else, how dare you not believe in him? And then the first moment that there's a possibility that maybe he's not playing A1 football, you take him out, and then right after the game say, but he's still QB1. If I'm DJ Uyangalile, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know what this does to my confidence. I don't know what it does to my confidence that the other guy, that Dabo Swinney, is actually confident in me. That's why it was a storyline to me is just – What does this mean for the rest of Clemson's season? Because everybody has a bad day, Torres. Everybody everybody struggles for a half or three quarters, benching them the moment something happens. 
indicates you were never that sold on the guy to begin with. Yeah, we'll get, uh, yeah. I, so let's talk Clemson. By the way, a quick update from Adam Schefter. He says that Christian McCaffrey, who was traded obviously earlier this week to the San Francisco 49ers, is expected to play tomorrow against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to get that. That is a late-breaking piece of news uh, that we'll be talking about throughout the show. We'll obviously be previewing that game a little bit later. Let's start with Clemson, though, Jason, because so I, I tend to agree with you. And listen, just in general, I, I would just say, um, and by the way, for people who missed it, Clemson did win today. They took care of business against Syracuse, but it was a weird game. As Jason said, uh, Syracuse was up big for a big chunk of that game. Clemson rallies to win 27-21, 17 points in the fourth quarter, and the rally essentially came after um, after a, a quarterback change was made, and the, the announcers during the game kind of kind of sold it as, hey, maybe Dabo's just looking for a spark, but to your point, Jason, uh, Cade Klubnick stayed in the game. Clemson rallied, the offense looked better, and they won. Um, and so let's talk about it. First of all, just from the big picture perspective, you know, I do think this is why, listen, I, I understand why fans get worked up and fans want to see this and fans want to see that, but I think this is why coaches always kind of toe the line with stuff like this because of the fact that once you make a move, if 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 DJ is not the guy, or if K, if you think this Cade Klubnick backup, the number one ranked quarterback in high school last year, is could potentially be the guy. Once you make that move, it's no different than in the NFL, right? Why do you, why do I think Mike Tomlin waited a few weeks to put in Kenny Pickett? It's because it's like once you put in Kenny Pickett, there's no turning back. And so my guess is that was probably where Dabo was. The team was seven and zero; they were winning. But even when we were on air last week against Florida State. Uh, Clemson played Florida State in this time slot. Uh, they were outgained. They were outrushed. Basically, you know, Florida State was more successful offensively than they were, but Clemson was able to get the win. So I just bring it up because they were doing enough to win. And today they were not going to win that game if they did not at least try to do something different, and that something different led them to that victory. And so, to answer your question, you know, I don't know what it means for the rest of the season, but to your point, you know, Dabo has kind of thumbed his nose at everybody who had the audacity to question if he was going to make a quarterback change. He makes it, and now I think this is one. I think it's frankly one of the prevailing questions in college football over the next two weeks because we can like Clemson, we could dislike Clemson, we could say the schedule is easy, whatever. If they go undefeated, they are going to make the college football playoff. I don't know if they can continue to win if TJ's the quarterback. So this is going to be an interesting conversation here over the coming weeks with Clemson um, because we saw today what this offense is capable of um, with Cade Klubnick, a quarterback, and it's just going to be an interesting conversation over the next couple weeks. Well, I mean, did we though? He was two of four for nineteen yards, but they were barely threw the ball. But they were, but it just looked different though, didn't it? I mean, it, I mean it, the offense looks different. I just, I like, I'm just looking. At this, this is why I have a big problem with it. Is it's not like DJ Uyunglele had average stats for the season. He entered the game with 17 touchdowns and two interceptions and a passer rating of 154.4. He struggled for a half, and you benched him in the third quarter for somebody who then threw four passes, and it was six rushes for 15 yards for Klubnik. So he was responsible for all of. 35 yards. His QBR was 38.3 at the end. You barely let him throw the football. It seems to me that the game plan changed. Well, if the game plan changed, then just do that. Just go ahead and let Shipley run the ball the way that he did, where he had 172 on the ground, including the big 50-yarder that broke the game open at the end. Do whatever it is that you're going to do, but did you have to do the quarterback switch? That's where it's just... 
you may have destroyed DJ Uyangalole right here because all the people and all the stuff that you've been saying over the past few weeks, like, yeah, now eat your words and all this. Well, no, you, you immediately took the guy out and you say, and those that say, well, you just needed a spark, a spark from a guy who went two for four for 19 yards. If he goes in, he goes 22 for 24 for 192 yards and a couple of touchdowns, I would feel different about it. But since he went in and was basically a caretaker, I don't know that we learned anything other than Clemson has a bit of a short fuse at this point in time when it comes to Uyanga Lale, who to this point had played excellent football pretty much throughout the entire year. It'll be interesting because it, here is Dabo after the game. He did say, and we don't have sound, so I apologize. I didn't mean to throw you guys off there in the back, but he said DJ's our starter, DJ's our leader. He just had one of those days, just missed a few plays, but he's earned that. I'll go to battle with that guy any day. He obviously got to clean it up a little bit on some of the things he did today, but he will, he will. Um I guess what I would say... But that's not true, though. You took him out of the battle. Well, like, no, what are well, you talking about? You, well, you want to go to battle with the guy? I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily... I, I don't disagree. He said, I had one of those days. He just missed a few plays. I just think it... What, what I do think now is... I, I just think it sets up kind of a fascinating scenario, right? Because you can say, okay, we just needed a change of pace, but DJ's still our guy. But it almost be... You know what it reminds me of a little bit, Jason? Remember, was it last year or the year before with Tua? It was last year, right? When he would start games, but then they'd bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick it, would come in. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think that's kind of the, the fair comp, right? Is like It's kind of what you just said. I, I, I think you can go back to DJ... But now it is kind of that thing of, you know, what happens if he has a bad series? What about happens if, if he has two bad series? What happens if you fall down 14-7? to 7? I guess just what I would say is I didn't have a problem with him going to – I didn't have a problem with Dabo going to Cade Klubnik today. I just think it opens up a fascinating process of what the next time the, next time the team struggles will look like, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that there are some there are some teams where if you make a quarterback change, it doesn't have effect. The problem here for Clemson and just for the narrative and the storyline is we all kind of saw DJ fail last year. And so this year was supposed to be different. And we all kind of came in with different expectations where it was a lot more modest. And boy, we think Klubnik, I didn't even think before the season, we both said Klubnik's probably in before the end of the year. But Uyanga Lale had not played football that would – would tell you that this needed to happen. He played one bad half. It was 21 to 10 in favor of Syracuse. And you still had another quarter and a half left. What does that say if, well, we've got to put somebody else in to win this game? Like, I I don't know what that tells you. And again, I always try to look at it from the perspective of the athlete. Of course, I wasn't one, but if I'm getting taken out of the game in that spot, that means my coach doesn't believe that I'm good enough to win that particular game. And it's going to take – that's going to take its toll. They may have a great relationship, and maybe Uyangalole is incredibly mentally tough. But what is he supposed to do, Jason? You're, you're, real you. quick, though, your season's on the line. Um, you know, listen, you lose this game, you could still – everything is still in play. But the season's on the line. You've thrown two picks. You've turned the ball over a total of three times. Um I mean, this isn't this isn't little league. We not everybody gets a trophy at the end of, at the end of the season. Like they're they're there to win a national championship. I, I I think you know I think there's a conversation to be had, and maybe we have it after the break over um you know over what it means for the bigger picture. I guess I just have a problem with you know it ruining DJ's relationship. I mean, you're a competitor, and if some if you're not doing your job, um, 
I, I think that you know, I think that the move has to be at least considered. I'll tell you what, we'll come back, we'll continue this conversation because I think I think the conversation is getting interesting, and I think it's one of these fun ones where I don't think there's an obvious answer, which makes it that much more interesting because again, Clemson's undefeated, but what what does this all mean for the present, for the future, all that stuff? We'll continue the conversation next. Uh, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Fun Saturday. Philly's now up 8-6 to six on the Padres. Bottom of the sixth inning, or top of the sixth inning, excuse me, on that one. Penn State starting to pull away from Minnesota. Uh, Alabama in control against Mi- Mississippi State. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin will be back. Talk more Clems and the rest of college football. We'll get to some NFL as well. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is Steve Cavino And Rich Davis. And together, we are Cavino and Rich. Cavino and Rich. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's right. Cavino and Rich, Fox Sports Radio's newest hit show. Heard weekdays from 5 to 7 Eastern, 2 to 4 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every Cavino and Rich show is available as a podcast. Just search Covino and Rich wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I'm such a rocking dude. The show features our unique take on sports, injected with some fun, humor, and relatability. Listen to Covino and Rich five days a week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich, give me a hell yeah. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. 
With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. And this is Fox Sports Radio's Tailgate, presented by the Big Green Egg. Nothing beats the flavor of live fire cooking on a Big Green Egg. It's the most versatile grill you'll ever own, backed by a lifetime warranty. Roll with the best. Shop online for free delivery at BigGreenEgg.com. Lifetime warranty, free home delivery, BigGreenEgg.com. Jason, let's continue the conversation with college football. You know, we'll get back to Clemson in a minute because I, I do think we were kind of an interesting space there. But there was a, a couple other things that happened today. And I want to start uh, with with Texas because, you know, Texas, one, they're, they're just always a topic. But, I mean, we – you talk about how long a season can be, right? They have this incredible moment at Al, against Alabama where they probably should have beaten them. Quinn Ewers gets hurt. Then Quinn Ewers stays hurt. They lose a game, and we all kind of give it a pass and say, well, you know, the, their starting quarterback's hurt. He was awesome against Alabama. It's hard to judge them without their starting quarterback. Well, today, they played Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a really good team, but Texas was favored, uh, you know, in all the odds and stuff like that. They are up at one point late in the third quarter. They are up 31 to 17, uh, excuse me, 34 to, they were up quite a bit late in the game. And so I bring it up because they blow a lead. So they were up 34 to 24 with two minutes left in the, in the third quarter. So up 34, 24 double digits with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma State outscores them 17, nothing from there. Texas commits 14 penalties for 119 yards, three interceptions for Quinn Ewers. Um, Texas is still 5-3, and three, uh, but they easily could have lost to Iowa State last week. And we have given them, or at least I have, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I've largely kind of given them a pass because they didn't have their starting quarterback. But this was the most quintessential Texas result that you could possibly have. They're on the road. They have a chance to make a statement. They're in complete control. What do you make of Texas, man? Because, you know, I'm not even like anti-Texas, you know, Steve Sarkeesian this, but I saw this stat. Fifth time since Steve Sarkeesian has taken over. Remember, this is only his second year now. Fifth time that Texas has blown a double-digit lead in a game, a game that they had in complete control, and you can't say it's injuries, you can't say it's this, you can't say it's that. They just went on the road, and they lost a game they should have won, uh, and we've given them a lot of pa- a lot of passes and excuses in the past, and, and this is one that we can't, Jason. You ask, what do you make of Texas? I think you make of them they're dangerous. They can be very fun to watch. I believe in their quarterback. Coach, I'm still I'm in wait-and-see mode on, and I was last year as well, and before the hire, for that matter. 
But I don't know that you can feel particularly confident in them because there's no consistency in them. They're just another one of those teams, and you could we could just start naming them across the country. Teams that are pretty good, they can win any any given week, they can lose any given week. You don't. There's not really necessarily any rhyme or reason. The one thing we forget is you say it's a game they should have won. It's a game they should have won because they were ahead in it. But Oklahoma State was undefeated until last week when they lost in double overtime to TCU. That's a really good football team. Uh, they made a frantic comeback, and Texas wasn't able to match it. Texas, I, I think that we have certainly hit a spot for Texas. And there, this is something that every team has to go through. They got to learn what it feels like to win, and they got to learn how to win. They got to learn how to hold leads. They've got to do a lot of the things that right now there's still a lot of disparate pieces that are coming together. You've got your quarterback back off the injury. There's still some things that need to be ironed out about the team. I don't know what we thought they were going to be coming into the season, but I think the only thing you can say about Texas is it feels like they're on the right path. But there's still a long way before they actually get to the end of that path. They are clearly walking through a process, and we're watching it every single week when they play football. The lack of consistency, just it just kind of makes them – I'm glad I'm not a gambler because you would never know what to do with Texas from week to week. But past that, I think that's what it is. I just And the other thing, I mean, you can say this. The Big 12 is historically competitive this year. Almost everybody in that league is good. I don't mean that there's necessarily anybody that's elite. Kansas State is pretty good. Oklahoma State is pretty good. Texas Tech is pretty good. Baylor is pretty good. Kansas, until they lost their quarterback, was pretty good. TCU, obviously, is pretty good. All of these teams, most of these teams, are pretty solid football teams. So week in and week out, that is a difficult league to succeed in. This is not making excuses for Texas. It's just maybe trying to explain what we're seeing from them. The inconsistency is going to is going to manifest and be greater because that league is so competitive. Yeah, quick update from the baseball game, by the way. Kyle Schwarber, a bomb to dead center. Probably to be about a 450-foot home run. Phillies up 9-6. to six. Back to Texas. So, you know, I, I agree. Um, it's just it's a weird spot because – whether it's Texas fans, whether it's the program, whether it's the coaching staff, they want to earn our respect, and they don't want to be a punchline. I guess th- th- that's why I'm bringing this up. Not because I thought coming into the season or even coming into today that they're this incredible program, that they're this, that they're that. But this is the kind of game that if you are turning a corner and you are turning into a championship-caliber program, this is the game you win, not because it, you know it. It's not because this is a team that you're definitively supposed to beat. Oklahoma State has been a great program for a long time now. This was a road game. But when you have 14 penalties for 119 yards, they have zero. When you have a 10-point lead late in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, excuse me, this is just a game that I want to see you win so I can say that you're making strides as a program. And and you know, it's funny like we have these narratives about certain college football fans and college football uh, teams and I think about this as Texas A&M is playing right now and losing like you know we have these narratives and you know Texas fans get mad when whether it's other opposing fan bases folks like us in the media that, that you know we kind of sort of make fun of them right like oh you know blah 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 but it's like this is the kind of game why we why we make the Texas's back jokes and all that stuff because every time it feels like they've turned a corner every time it feels like okay wait till they get healthy good things are going to start to happen 
then you have a game like today, Jason, where um, you're in complete control. You have a chance to make a statement. You have a chance, by the way, to stay in the thick of things in the in the Big 12 title race. And I guess in theory, this is only their second loss, so they still will be. But I just, man, I, it's just one where if you're evolving as a program, right? And and we look at some of the teams uh, at the top of, of college football right now. Tennessee's with a second-year head coach, right? Um you know, whoever. Ohio State today looked sloppy but was still able to pull away and not even make it competitive. I'm not saying that Texas should be Ohio State. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is you want to see these strides as a program, if that makes sense. Texas did not deliver today. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. Coming up, there is one really big college football story that I want to talk about and I want Jason's opinion on because I feel like nobody is talking about it. We're going to discuss that next before we do though first time this evening steve desager what's trending my man hello gentlemen it is phillies nine six over the padres top of the seventh inning this is on fox tv game four of the national league championship series phillies were down four nothing in the top of the first but a win tonight for them would put them up three games to one with sunday's game five a day game on fs1 2 30 p.m eastern time there is a chance of rain. This game is going to wear out both sides, quite obviously, for the first inning on. It was 4-3 after the first inning. They will probably invite a rain delay tomorrow. Remember when Kyle Schwarber, the first two rounds of this postseason, the guy who led the National League in homers when he was one for 20 in the playoffs with eight strikeouts? Well, I think this is now three homers in the last week for him. This long ball to center in the bottom of the six, estimated to go about 430 feet. Neither starting pitcher got out of the first inning tonight. Reese Hoskins has two home runs for Philly. Again, they've just started the top of the seventh. Philadelphia 9-6 over San Diego with a day game tomorrow. The Yankees season might be nearly over. They're down three games to none to top-seeded Houston in the American League Championship Series. Strohs 5-0 the final. While we have lots of offense in Philadelphia, the Yankee offense at home had just one hit in the first eight innings. Houston is undefeated this postseason, 6-0. and oh. As for the college football that's in progress, number six Alabama leads late at home, 30 to nothing against Mississippi State. Penn State's lead with about 10 minutes to go is 38-10 over Minnesota. And the game on FS1 is late third quarter. TCU ranked eighth has scored to take the lead on 17th-ranked Kansas State. Horn Frogs 31-28 in the lead again late third quarter. Among the other games, Boise State now 4-0 in the Mountain West, holding on at Air Force 19-14. There are three late games tonight. San Diego State at Nevada about to start. Utah State's at Wyoming. Washington's at Cal. Pitt has taken a 10-7 lead at Louisville, their early fourth quarter. It looks like Colorado will go to 1-6. They're trailing 35-3 at Oregon State mid-third quarter. UCF was 5-1 this year, but they're losing now 27-13 at East Carolina with about three and a half minutes left in the game. And you reference the Texas A&M at South Carolina matchup. couple teams that are 1-2 and two in the SEC. South Carolina leads with about 10 minutes left, 24-21. And earlier, UT San Antonio went to 4-0 in Conference USA with a late touchdown to win 31-27 against North Texas. Easy wins for Ohio State and Tennessee. Fifth-ranked Clemson came back to beat Syracuse, 27-21. LSU was trailing at the half at home, but still beat number 7 Ole Miss, 45-20. On Fox TV, top 10 matchup at Oregon went to the Ducks over UCLA, 45-30. Bo Nix, five touchdown passes. The Texas loss 
was at Oklahoma State, ranked 11th. Cowboys 41-34, thanks to two touchdown passes in the last 10 minutes. And I believe they said on the telecast, Steve Sarkeesian's now lost five straight true road games in charge of the Longhorns program. Wake Forest and Tulane each got wins. And Cincinnati held on 29-27 at SMU. SMU scored two touchdowns in about the last five minutes, but missed a late two-point pass and lost at home. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson with a bad hamstring is out for tomorrow against the Jets. Updating a pitching change in Philadelphia. 9-6 Phillies over the Padres. Top of the seventh. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. One of the games DeSager got you caught up on was Alabama uh, up 30 to nothing on Mississippi State. A nice bounce back for the Crimson Tide after that loss to Tennessee. They will go into a bye and then hit the back half of their schedule after this one. But Jason, there, there was kind of a fallout. from. There was a lot of fallout from that Tennessee game throughout the week. Um, and one thing that popped up over the course of the week was that a video surfaced. Of course, Alabama beats Tennessee. Tennessee fans rush the field. And a video surfaces of one of Alabama's players, a guy by the name of Jermaine Burton, wide receiver, um, some kind of confrontation with a female Tennessee fan. And when I say confrontation, that's really not the right word, but I want to be delicate in how I frame this. Um, he put his hands on her and, and you know, it's unclear if it's a if it's a shove. It's unclear if it's a punch, uh, but it was clear that she was trying to walk by him, and he physically did something, whether it was a push, a shove, or whatever. Jermaine Burton played tonight. Uh, fans, at, you know, the, we were wondering if anything was going to happen. Nick Saban said it was going to be handled internally. It was investigated by the school. He did call it a disciplinary matter, insinuating that something bad happened. Jermaine Burton's on the field tonight. I don't... Uh, why am I the only one... I don't understand why this was not a bigger deal all week long in the lead-up to this game, and I don't understand why no one seems to care that this guy is on the field. I don't understand why this isn't a bigger deal. Jason, we live in a world, and you know me, I, I don't think I get outraged about everything. That's not, like, my personality. I am stunned that no one seems to be bothered that Nick Saban refuses to punish this guy and that he is playing tonight, Jason. Am I am I missing something? What is going on with this? All right, so you came at it from one perspective. I just want to come at it from a common Please. sense and optics perspective. You're a 21-point favorite, I believe, at the time of kickoff against Mississippi State at home. You've got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner as your quarterback. You're coming off a loss in a game of the year, maybe the best game we've seen in the last few years in college football, on a late field goal against an undefeated team that's definitely a possible national champion. You're going to beat Mississippi State. From a common sense perspective, my initial thought was, even if I hadn't even seen the video, just knowing what I know about the circumstances here. Optically, do you need Jermaine Burton to win this football game? And if the answer to that question is no, which I believe that it clearly is, optically, why would you do this? From a perception standpoint, if you hold him out, you look like you are being bigger I agree. in the moment. And to me, that's an easy W. I don't know about you, but when I get the opportunity for an easy W, I'm going to take the easy W. And this is not me trying to be callous about the situation. We can talk about the situation. I just want to come at it from the perspective of 
it makes no sense not to have sat him down for one game because it's not like anybody's going to criticize you for doing so. But you are going to take some degree of criticism if you don't. And if it's a team that you feel like you're going to be able to dominate, was Jermaine Burton going to be the difference between a, a win and a loss tonight? If the answer is no, which it is, it matter. then I, don't play. I, I don't either, yeah. but again, I'm just saying from the easiest perspective. I understand your point. Yeah. Your emotion before that... Just a comment, no way he should have played. Yeah. There's no way he should have played because, and I know, yeah, we got to investigate. Not really. We have a video. Like, I don't care what he, what she said, if she said anything, we have no idea. It looked like he almost went out of his way yes. to do this. It's not like this was something where she was belligerent and in his face or anything like that. And even if she was, not that's excuse. still not licensed to do this. So in no way, shape, or form is it okay for Jermaine Burton to have played tonight. So I agree with everything you said, and and I and I agree. It shouldn't be about who the opponent is, but it but it would have just it would have checked a lot of boxes if you had just suspended him and not publicly said it's because we're playing Mississippi State and we are favored to win by a significant margin. It it would have been very easy if he was not in uniform, um, and then you can go to the podium and say, we held him out, he needs to... Like, my whole thing is, one, you know, we we saw this reaction of, well, fans shouldn't be on the field and this and that, and one thing I'll say is I've become more sensitive to fans being out of control at sporting events. We've seen it a lot in the NBA playoffs last few years, throwing stuff on the court, throwing full beers, throwing popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Um, so I'm more sensitive that that being a fan, being a paid ticket holder does not give you the right to do anything. But if you watch the video, she very clearly, it seems as though looking at the video, she has no interest in interacting with him. She's some sort of fan that just wants to enjoy the moment. And it was almost as though he sought out her. But even if she said something, to your point, he put her hands on her. What am I missing? This is the part that I don't understand. What am I missing? We live in... And I don't want to make light of serious situations, serious topics, serious conversations. But I think that we have evolved as a society where we all kind of understand you never put your hands on a female if you are a male no matter what. And so I understand it's a unique circumstance. I understand there's thousands of fans rushing the field and you're trying to get to the locker room. If you watch the video... It is so clear that he did something, and and the thought that kept going across my head is I know that it was a unique circumstance. If that video comes out literally in any other context, Jermaine Burton is probably not on Alabama's football team. Like if that ha- if the same thing happened, and we can't tell if it's a push a shove or this or that, and it happened at a bar, that he's probably not playing football for Alabama and may never play football again. So like this idea that it was somehow and this was the reaction that I think I saw more more than anything was well fans shouldn't be on the field and that was what Nick Saban's reaction was on Tuesday when he was asked about it was well you know Jermaine shouldn't have done it but really this is why we don't want fans on the field. It's like no. It's 2022. We all understand that you do not put your hands on a female under any circumstances, and the fact that no one seems to care about this, I'm just blown away. I, it's not often in this world that I feel like something is undercovered. I feel like this has been significantly undercovered all week long. Well, also, it felt like tonight on the television broadcast, Fowler and Herbstreet kind of were intimating that he was in fear 
because yes. there were people on the field. It's just like, look, <laughs> I hope that dog hunts for you, but it's not going to hunt for a whole lot of people out here. The problem is when you say you need to investigate it and we have a video, it's like, well, the investigation is talk to him. And if you can find her, then talk to her. But the answer is, Nick, the first part of what you said, and then you stop short of talking about this is why we don't want fans on the field. You just say, hey, what he did was wrong. So as a result of that, we're going to hold him out. He's a good kid, but he's a good kid who recognizes that he made a mistake. We're not going to tolerate that. So for this week, we're not going to have Jermaine Burton with us against Mississippi State. And that's it. Like, I don't know that the world explodes if he's back next week, but you act like you're doing something. When you just say, yeah, we're going to handle it internally and we're going to do it, but but then he plays the next opportunity that he gets and he catches a 23-yard pass, which I think he did early, it just reflects very poorly. It looks wrong. The optics are all wrong. The perception is all wrong. And again, even if it had been Bryce Young, you bench him. But this ain't Bryce Young we're talking about. This is a guy that was probably not all that important to you winning the game. I don't disagree, Jason. And I'm just, like I said, I'm surprised that the reaction from others in our space hasn't been stronger. And I know we're reacting live to him playing, but even throughout the week, I thought that I was surprised more people weren't upset, disappointed, maybe the right word, with how Nick Saban handled things. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. We will close out hour one, put a bow on college football, maybe jump into the NFL a little bit earlier. Busy week coming up, week seven in the NFL. Uh, More college football, more NFL. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin on a Saturday night. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, wrapping up hour one. We are on air until 2 a.m. Eastern. The Phillies have extended their lead 10-6, to bottom of the seventh. One out. Phillies are still at the dish uh, in college football. I think Texas a and is about to take another loss. They're down 30-21 to uh, fourth quarter. And in a game that, you know, Jason, you just mentioned a minute ago about the Big 12 being completely wide open as Texas loses today, uh, TCU, which is maybe the quietest 6-0 team in college football, they are up 31-28 to on Kansas State. Those are actually the only two undefeated teams in the Big 12, so we will have a... Def- K-State's got a loss. Well, no, I mean in Big 12 play. I mean in Big 12 play. Oh, right, 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 right. So, yeah. so either way, uh, the point being that whoever wins this game will be in sole possession of first place in the Big 12, a wide-open league where Texas is now 3-2. and two. Uh, Oklahoma is now 1-3. and three in, This is in league play. And 1-3 and three in league play. Uh, Texas 3-2 and two in league play with their loss. By the way, Jason, any, any, uh, any hot takes here on Texas A&M? Is they about to fall to 3-4 and four overall? I mean, you know where I'm going. Go! That's why I set because you I've up. Because I was here before the season. I was here last season. Outside, you, you answer this question for me, Aaron. Outside of beating Alabama last year during this time slot while we were on the air on a crazy Saturday in college football, what has Jimbo Fisher done since joining the SEC? I know he had a good COVID year, but that was a weird situation. What has he done outside of land great recruiting classes? I'll wait. So I, I've used this analogy before. The answer's nothing, obviously. Um, I've used this analogy before, but our buddy Colin, Colin Cowherd um, calls John Calipari John Caliponzi, and he calls him John Caliponzi because he basically says he has this 
Ponzi scheme in recruiting where he has the most talented teams and then he loses, but then he gets a big re- recruiting win and uh, and and the fan base gets fired up and you know the fan base forgives him for a bad loss in the NCAA tournament, blah blah blah, whatever. And so I bring it up that that's paraphrasing Colin. He says it much more eloquently than I do, but. I bring it up because that's what Texas A&M feels like, and I think the Ponzi scheme is officially running out of money. I don't know exactly how Ponzi schemes work, but at some point you get caught, um, and this feels like this is where it's at for Texas A&M. Um, I, I still don't think Jimbo Fisher's going to be fired after this year. I, I think the money, you know, people say, oh, it's you know they can find it. I mean, he'd be owed literally like seventy-five million dollars to, to to leave after this year, um, but. They need to take away play calling duties. They need new voices in that building. Uh, to, but to answer your question directly, they had a great win against Alabama, but they didn't follow it up with anything substantial. They finished eight and four last year. Uh, they will be three and four after tonight, and they are far from done with tough games, especially with LSU improving. Uh, they have Ole Miss next week. So to answer your question, uh, they really have done nothing, as it appears as though they may fall to three and four after this evening. So I, I don't know. As you said, because of the money involved, they're not going to get them out of town, but it's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. And next year is going to be one of those years. Next year is going to be for Jimbo what last year, opening last year, was for Jim Harbaugh. Great call. Great call. And Jim Harbaugh, of course, came through it with flying colors, ended up in the college football playoff, and put himself on a completely new pathway. Maybe Jimbo does the exact same thing. I'm skeptical, but I was a little skeptical admittedly about Harbaugh as well. I know he's got a great recruiting class. I still don't know why he can't find a quarterback, and I'm still waiting to see him do something without Jameis Winston as his quarterback. So there's a lot that needs to be determined here because the other thing you're noticing with Texas A&M is A&M is just kind of staying in place while you're seeing Tennessee get better and Kentucky get better and Ole Miss get better and Mississippi State get better. And yes, and maybe we talk about that to open hour too because one guy in the country really deserves maybe more credit than we're giving him, and that's Brian Kelly. Oh, we can discuss Brian Kelly next, uh, as well as Oregon, UCLA, and of course look ahead to a busy week seven in the NFL. But Texas A&M is flailing, likely to fall to three and four, two minutes left, down 30-21 to 21 against South Carolina. Alabama has closed out a win. TCU is up on FS1 against Kansas State. We got a lot going on. By the way, the Padres trailing the Phillies 10 to 6. More Fox Sports Radio coming up. That's next. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. 
Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome in, everybody. Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. DeSager just got you caught updated, got you caught up on everything of note. Phillies up 10-6 to here in the bottom of the eighth against San Diego. Philly up 2-1 to in the NLCS. Astros beat the Yankees earlier today to improve to uh, 3-0 in the ALCS. College football, Texas A&M looks like they're about to take a loss. Alabama won earlier tonight. Uh, Really interesting game in the Big 12 as Kansas State is trailing TCU 38-28. TCU may be the quietest 6-0 team, about to be 7-0 in college football, but TCU is in great position with about 10 minutes left over there on FS1. We'll keep you updated on all that, Jason, but you you, you teased a little bit before this, uh, at the end of last hour, Something that I, I like, I do want. There, there's two really big games that I want to talk about that we have not discussed yet. If you missed anything earlier, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Um, but two things. So one, the first one that I do want to talk about uh, is the LSU Tigers. And and so for people who aren't college football diehards, you obviously remember just a few short years ago. Um, you know they won a national championship under Ed Orgeron, 2019. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. We all remember that team, obviously. And Ed Orgeron, it completely falls apart after Joe Burrow leaves. And I think there were a lot of people that sat there and said, you know, how, how, how can you fire a coach two years after he wins a championship? But by the end of last year, it was pretty clear that the, the, it was just going in the wrong direction in a hurry. LSU finishes 6-6, six and 3-5 six, and five in the SEC. And if uh, people might remember, they might not. By the time they got to their bowl game, they had about 40 healthy bodies. Attrition through transfer, through injuries, through opt-outs, through uh, you know NFL guys, everything you can imagine. LSU played Ole Miss today. Ole Miss came in a top-10 team and undefeated at 7-0. and 
LSU in relative dominating fashion. They did fall down 17 nothing, so I can't say it was complete dominant fashion, but they, they, they rip off 45 out of the next 48 points of the game. They win 45-20. to 20. And Brian Kelly, a guy that's taken a lot of heat because he could never quite get Notre Dame over the hump, is now 6-2 and two in year one. One of those losses, obviously, to Tennessee, who is maybe the best team in the country. I'll tell you, man, You know, I think there's a lot of people that question Brian Kelly, question this hire. He's looking really good so far, Jason. I don't know if I question the hire as much as question the fit because it didn't make sense from a Brian Kelly in the Bayou scenario, and that created a lot of jokes and all that. But we all know, and I think most people understood, Brian Kelly was a heck of a football coach. And if we actually – took the 30,000-foot view and paid attention to everything that was going on. And if you see the struggles that Marcus Freeman, even though they won today, is having in year one with Notre Dame, is it possible? And actually, it's not a question to ask. It's likely Brian Kelly was not going to win a national championship at Notre Dame despite getting them right to the precipice of it a number of times or putting them in position, certainly, to have that opportunity to play in a college football playoff and things of that nature. Because Notre Dame presented unique challenges that aren't at LSU. Plus, you're going to have to go through the SEC West, which is the toughest one division in all of college football, and just being in the SEC as a whole. In terms of him being a football coach, we all knew he was good, but we also knew the cupboard wasn't exactly stacked for him coming in. It was sort of... Coach O didn't leave it in great position. The over-under, I think, going into the season was 6.5, which I thought, boy, they're definitely going to be better than that. Did I think they'd be 6-2? and two? Here's what's fascinating about 6-2. and two. They're 7-1, and one, potentially, if they don't have the extra point mm-hmm. situation against Florida State in Week 1. And this is why I believe that if we didn't have preseason rankings, Tennessee <laughs> would be goal. number one in the country. Because no one has done to LSU this season what Tennessee did, which was beat them 40-13 to in Baton Rouge. I mean, just absolutely outclassed them. They've beaten everybody else they've played. They actually ran away from Ole Miss in the second half of that football game. That was an undefeated in-name-only Ole Miss team that reminds me a lot of the Penn State team that played Michigan last week. This is a good football team. It's a football team, as a matter of fact, that in two weeks, if Alabama shows up and commits 15 penalties – they might lose. It's very possible. LSU is way ahead of schedule right now, 6-2, and two, and technically first in the SEC West right now. That is more than you probably expected from Brian Kelly, even if you're a diehard LSU fan, this quickly. Regardless of whether you like him or his antics or things he said, or you read the piece of The Athletic that buried him after the hire, or you didn't like the Cajun accent or all this other kind of stuff, the one thing you can't say is that he doesn't know how to win and he doesn't know how to coach because 6-2 and two in that league, not with a full off season, walking in the way he's walked in, it's pretty daggone impressive. Yeah, that that was one thing, you know, I, I always argued on his behalf is, you know, there was this big thing of, uh, well, you know, I mean, how, he, I mean, he never, uh, you know, he never, never won big at Notre Dame. And I mean, you know, he never took Notre Dame over the top. And, you know, he always lost to Alabama and he always lost to Clemson. And it's like, By the way, who did? That's exactly. the other thing. Like, who, who else is going to take the job? How many guys do you think, can you get past one hand if you're out there and you're thinking about this honestly? Can you count? All five fingers or four fingers in your thumb, can you count five coaches you think could have won a national championship at Notre Dame? I don't think you can if you're being intellectually honest. 
I agree a thousand percent. And this has always been my argument is like, I, you know, I, I know we get kind of caught up in nostalgia in sports and, and all that. Um, there is no reason that Notre Dame should ever be competitive really on this landscape in college football in 2022. Like it's just, it's a, it's a small, just say it out loud. You know, Colin says it all the time, right? I, I don't mean to keep referencing Colin Cowherd, but he, he's on our airwaves and he says it all the time. He's like, sometimes you just got to say something out loud. We'll talk out Notre Dame out loud. Small Irish Catholic school in Indiana. No natural recruiting base. Plays a national schedule. Insane admission requirements. Yes, correct. And I, um, and by the way, Texas A&M just reco- kicked a field goal, recovered an onside kick. They're going to have about two plays to win this game. They were up down 30-21, to 21, made a field goal, made it 30-24, to 24, just recovered an onside kick. Uh, how about Texas By the way, they blocked an extra point. It would have been 31-21. Great call. So that, that that could end up being quite a story. All right, so that could we'll keep you updated on that one. Um, but with Notre Dame, it's like they're, they're, first of all, to your point, nobody beats Alabama, nobody beats Clemson, nobody beats Georgia. Like like nobody does it. And now you're at a small Catholic school with real academic standards. Like it's funny. I think I've probably told this story before, but they were playing Alabama in the playoff two, three years ago, whatever it was. And you know, it was New Year's Day, and we had family over the house, and you know, my wife's family, you know, not really sports fans. They said, "Well, well who do you want to win this game?" And I said to him, I said, "You know, I, I kind of want the team in those gold helmets over there." And they said, "Well, well why do you want that?" And I said, "Well, what you don't understand is this is this is not." pro sports this is college sports um and texas a&m ball falls short they'll have one play to uh to win this game ball falls short on that one um i said this is college sports and this isn't an even playing field the way that it is in professional sports or or a more even playing field i said that team in the gold helmets like that's a real school and it's no disrespect to alabama or ohio state or fill in the blank school but they can't get in everybody. They can't get the players uh, to, to come to Notre Dame and get them into school and keep them in school and all that stuff that, that these other schools can. And it's like, it's really hard to win at Notre Dame in this modern era. So I've never understood the Brian Kelly backlash. I understand he says weird stuff and, and he's, you know, he's uncomfortable in front of the mic. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to win any PR stuff. But what he did at Notre Dame was really impressive in my eyes. And oh, by the way, uh, what he has done so far to improve to 6-2 and two to start his time at LSU with one of those losses to maybe the number one team in the country, Tennessee. Very impressive to me. Yeah, I think the other thing, and, and this is also what it always impresses me a little bit more about Michigan than some of the other schools in the Big Ten. There's always been sort of the knock that Ohio State is the University of Football. And I don't know that that's fair, but I know Michigan is a great school, an awesome school. I had some people that I knew that that went there that I went to high school with. Just a really, really high-end academic research institution. And we already know what Northwestern is, and that's not to make light of There's a lot of really good schools in the Big Ten, but Michigan is another one that their success athletically has always been kind of stunning to me just because they're – they're way up there on that list. And maybe maybe there is a way, maybe there is a, a pathway to make it work in some fashion. But you look at them, and for a long time, North Carolina was similar um, in terms of the way they were seen as an academic institution. Now, of course, they've taken a little bit of a beating in the, in the last handful of years. But Notre Dame's a completely different animal. And I, I know I've not been as high on Brian Kelly as you have, but watching what he's done at LSU – 
even when they made the hire, I said, he's probably going to win. Like, it's not like he doesn't know how to coach. And now he's going away. Basically, if he had a hand tied behind his back because of the circumstances that he had to overcome on an annual basis at Notre Dame, what happens when you then give him operation of both his arms and both of his hands when he's already had to do it with the adversity now you just change the adversity the challenge isn't now what it takes to get the kids into Notre Dame what it takes to win with those circumstances around it now it's just well now you're in the Southeastern Conference big man can you get it done and already Brian Kelly has proved more at LSU in less than one season than Jimbo Fisher has proved <laughs> at Texas A&M in nearly half a decade. Texas A&M, by the way, did not pull off the comeback. They lose 30-24 to 24 to fall to 3-4 and four overall. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree 100% on Brian Kelly. Is you know, And, and one last thought on this um, is I, I do think it's interesting because I, I think you know some of the Lincoln-Riley narrative I thought was unfair when he left Oklahoma, but I do think there was an element of was he afraid of the SEC? I don't think he was afraid of the SEC. Do I think he saw a path of less resistance at USC? I do. So he left Oklahoma, at least I think, and he'll never say it publicly, but in some way, shape, or form, probably because of the SEC, whereas Brian Kelly ran to that challenge where he basically said, I believe I'm good enough to do this. Let me see if I can win at the highest level. Off to a good start. Doesn't guarantee anything. By the way, LSU heads into a bye They host Alabama two weeks from tonight. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, one more college football story from today. Then we start to look ahead to the NFL. Got off to a a strong start on Thursday night. Kyler Murray chirping at Cliff Kingsbury. We'll discuss that as well as the rest of Week 7. Little more college football, plenty NFL coming up. We're on till 2 a.m. Eastern. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM on Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. That's right. Tune in on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. All right, Jason, one more college football story we have not gotten to. Uh, by the way, if you've missed anything, we talked Texas earlier. We talked Clemson. Uh, we just talked LSU. Make sure to download the podcast as well. Uh, I, I thought we were going to get to this sooner, but we've gone in a lot of different directions. Oregon, mm-hmm. I thought you brought up the great point. I'm just going to throw it over to you. Um You want a compelling case for why Georgia should be ranked number one in the country? It's because of what Georgia did to Oregon and what Oregon has done to everybody else since then. They easily take care of business against UCLA today. The final score made it even seem a little bit closer than than you would think. 45 to 30 was the final score, but I mean, they just put it. To UCLA, a team that came into today undefeated. Oregon now six and one. The only loss that opener to Georgia. Jason, the floor is yours. The Ducks looked awesome today. So you remember what Kirby Smart said after the game, after that game, after they absolutely just annihilated Oregon in Week One. He said, "Quote: He's going to do a really good job at Oregon." Talked about Dan Lanning. He's relentless. They'll bounce back from this. He knows we have better players. He'll never say that, but he knows we got better players. We talked about it in the moment, that it was a real honest thing to say, and it was a true statement because, yeah, pretty much Kirby Smart's got better players than virtually everybody. So what does that say that you end up taking – you just absolutely take them apart 
in that football game. And then since that point in time, Oregon has done nothing but win and look good doing so. And Bo Nix, all of a sudden, is playing the best football of his life. Today he has five touchdown passes. At one point, and I'm not sure if this is how he finished because I think he may have thrown one late, but I think he had five touchdown passes and five incompletions. It was something preposterous like that against an undefeated UCLA team that was rolling. They came in there and got boat raced, basically. Just could not keep up with Oregon. So what does that say about Georgia? If you want to, and you can always overreact to week one because things can change as the season moves along and you always see some weird stuff happen, but that is just a throttling of a top 10 football team that beat an undefeated team today and looks the part in the Pac-12 right now. To me, that speaks a lot for Georgia. It backs up their case, even though I would have ranked Tennessee number one last week. And, of course, those two teams are going to play each other in a couple of weeks. But this buttresses Georgia's case that – and even with a week where they didn't play, it felt like they won because Oregon looks great except when they played Georgia and didn't even look like they belonged on the same field. Yeah, that it's really funny because when uh, Kirby Smart did say that, and I do remember him saying that, and I remember us talking about that in real time after that week one game um, – my thought was a couple things is that, you know, Mario Cristobal, who took another just awful L today at Miami, but when he left Oregon, a couple things. One, if you just look at the, they call it the composite talent ranking, which is basically you take the, the previous four recruiting classes and you just put it, you know, you just rank the players as they were coming out of high school. Oregon is like the sixth or seventh most talented team according to the composite rankings. And I do remember Mario Cristobal, when he left, there was a story of something about, he, he basically told the locker room, hey, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell you guys what to do, but I don't think you guys should enter the transfer portal. We have a championship caliber team in this locker room. I want to see you guys, you know, see your way through it. Um, and so I thought of that in the opening week when they lost to Georgia, and the talent really was pretty pretty impressive that Mario Cristobal had collected and so I guess what I'm just trying to say is um, it one it speaks to how great Georgia is and two it speaks to you know all of a sudden um, I, I think you know this was a team that we wrote off in week one and you know we did the whole the Pac-12 is overrated blah 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 blah. well a couple things I, I think the Pac-12 has probably three pretty good teams this year mm-hmm. um, you know we were on air last week USC easily could have taken care of Utah that that was the game that everybody had circled USC was going to lose and it came down to the wire and they had the ball late with a chance to win it but USC six and one heading into uh they're they're currently on their bye I should say uh with a very manageable schedule going forward the the big one is at UCLA I do think UCLA is really good I'll tell you this uh, I I forgot because it's been a while since we've had full fans in the stands and Oregon and this and that I forgot how great Outson Stadium is for a big game. So I think we really have three really good teams in the Pac-12 this year, and it's going to make for an interesting home stretch. where I think for the first time in a long time, whether it is Oregon or probably USC, I don't know that I could see UCLA necessarily making a playoff. I could see one of these four teams in that final, one of these three teams in that final four, specifically Oregon. I think they're going to be favored the rest of the way. USC has a pseudo manageable schedule late. It's going to be a fun home stretch for the Pac 12. It is. By the way, I mean, you can actually go even further. The depth of the conference is stronger than I think people thought I agree. as well, because Oregon State's not terrible. Washington State's not terrible. Washington's had some nice wins here and there. And of course, there's Utah, who. 
beat USC last week, who is dangerous as all get out. I, I just think the conference as a whole, I think it's been a good year for the Pac-12 uh, so far in the college football season because they're relevant for the right reasons. We're not mocking them in this time slot. There's actually been football to watch that's been both relevant and good. And you just, I think you feel better about the state of that conference yes. right now, much better right now than probably you have in the past handful of years. I've enjoyed watching Pac-12 football this year. That's not something I've been able to say for a little while. Yeah, and it is really interesting is that, and it's interesting especially because we have this TCU-Kansas State game on uh, for first place in the Big 12. But, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the demise of everybody that wasn't in the Big 10 or the SEC. And I, I do think obviously those two conferences are going to have huge financial advantages over the rest of college football. But you look at the way Oregon's playing. You look at the way TCU, which just won to improve to 7-0, and they're alone in the first place in the, in the Big 12. Um, those conferences now all of a sudden feel more stable because of the combination of, um, you know, uh, the 12-team playoff, which is going to allow those schools access so they can go into the homes of recruits and say, you're still going to have a chance to compete for a championship. But then when a school like Oregon elevates itself and it doesn't feel uh, fluky, doesn't feel, that was just a, an awesome football team that, today uh, at Austin Stadium. Um, you know, TCU, uh, Kansas State, uh, Washington has been pretty good this year. I, I just bring it up to say I think for the health of college football, I think one thing you and I discussed, and I think we we're both a little concerned about it, is are we just headed towards this world where the NF, where college football is basically the NFL, where you have two super conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, and nobody else is even competitive and I think these are all signs that college football will probably be in a better place four, five, six years from now when the the USC and UCLA go to the, the Big Ten or Oklahoma and Texas go to the, the SEC. I think these are all signs that the sport's probably going to be in better shape across the board than I was expecting. Yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, I think it is fair to say the Big 12 and the Pac-12 this season have been more entertaining to watch the football has been better than from a just a, from a whole standpoint, meaning for across the conferences, the, in those two conferences, than it has been from the Big Ten and the ACC. Like I don't I think agree. you can include the SEC there. I've enjoyed watching what I've seen from the Pac-12, especially like the middle of the road Pac-12 teams or the middle of the road Big 12 teams. I've enjoyed watching those games way more than I've enjoyed watching Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan State and Pitt and some of these other schools in the ACC as well. Yes, there's some heavyweights in those conferences. I understand that. But as a whole, I think it's been a big-time W for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in that this football has been worth watching. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, um, yeah, credit to Oregon. Oregon takes care of UCLA. They're currently sitting at 6-1. and one. The last note on this, and then we'll switch gears to the NFL. Remember in the Pac-12 this year, too, Jason, they have changed the conference championship format where it's the two best teams rather than North and South yeah. winners. I, I, I don't think it really matters because Oregon won today, but, you know, we could get a UCLA-Oregon rematch. We could get Oregon-USC, which is not a regular season game. So, I am on 
on board with you is I, is I think this this was a an important day for the Pac-12, and I agree. I think it's been across the board a more entertaining league than certainly I thought, and I think it's been more entertaining than than um, the ACC, the Big Ten as well, uh, and the the Big 12 puts on a heck of a show every Saturday as well. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we will switch gears, talk a little NFL. Week 7 is upon us, and we had some fireworks on Thursday night in Arizona. We'll discuss that next. But first, second time this evening, let's get to Steve DeSager with What's Trending. What's up, DeSager? Hello, gentlemen. So there is still a chance that the USC-UCLA game decides who's going to play Oregon in the Pac-12 final. I mean, there's four teams going for the two spots in the final the way it is right now, a four-team race. We will get to the baseball in a moment. Philadelphia has won. Houston won earlier tonight. And everything in the top 25 of college football is done because on FS1, a comeback win, a dominant second half for TCU ranked eighth and still undefeated 7 no, beat number 17 Kansas State 38 to 28. Earlier, Alabama ranked six, defeated number 24 Mississippi State 30 to six. The final. How about this from the Athletic, Matt Brown, that Mike Leach finally gets on the last play of the game tonight a touchdown against an Alabama opponent. In fact. If you look at Mike Leach's long coaching career, he's had over 250 games that weren't against Alabama, and Leach's club was averaging 34 points a game in those. Six points per game when he plays Alabama in four games, including the literal six points thanks to a TD on the final play of this game. In fact, Mississippi State was down 24-0 at the half. As for Penn State, ranked 16th, a win tonight, 45-17 at home against Minnesota, which has lost six straight. You mentioned Texas A&M. They lost 30-24 at South Carolina, so A&M still with just one win in conference play, and Fox's Bruce Feldman says A&M has now lost its last four games in a row against unranked FBS opponents. And in fact, Coach Jimbo Fisher, just in his last eight against any FBS competition, two and six. So there's that as the money. How about this, by the way? The checks still keep getting yeah, man. Money, money well spent right there. Yeah. Pete Thamel just tweeted, 25 points or fewer in nine straight games against FBS teams. The only current active streaks longer Colorado and Rutgers. Oh, so yeah. Good thing Jimbo's not known for offense. Well, no, yeah. The, well, and the better news is is that it's only his buyout drops below ten million in twenty thirty. <laughs> so it's right around All the corner, right, basically. Man. So you tell me you got a chance at the end of the decade. Speaking of Colorado, still just one win this year. It lost forty-two to nine at Oregon State, which technically Oregon State is still in the hunt. Here we're not quite to November after all in the Pac-12 chase. Nice night for Louisville at home. 17 points in the fourth quarter to beat Pitt 24 to 10. UCF was 5 and 1 but lost at East Carolina 34-13 this evening. Boise State still undefeated in the Mountain West after winning 19-14 at Air Force and then we get to our three late games in the Mountain West halftime Wyoming up 17-7 on Utah State, San Diego State 10 nothing leaders at Nevada early in the second, Nevada winless in conference and it's Washington leading 6 nothing at Cal in the second quarter. You mentioned Notre Dame earlier, perhaps people are unaware. There was a Notre Dame game that was not on NBC, a home game for the Irish that instead NBC was showing figure skating this afternoon and the Irish were put on Peacock streaming as Notre Dame, 3-3 three and three going in, 
beat UNLV 44-21. to There was also Liberty hosting BYU. Liberty, by its own admission, the biggest day as far as home games in their program's history and their largest crowd today. And Liberty is now 7-1. and one. They were down 14-3 early and then rocked BYU 41-14. The San Jose State game at New Mexico State was postponed because of the tragedy that a crash that took place yesterday two blocks from the San Jose State campus. One of their running backs, Camden McWright, was killed yesterday in a traffic crash, hit by a school bus while riding an electric scooter. He was 18 years old. CHP says he was traveling south on a street trying to cross the crosswalk, was in the crosswalk when he was struck by the bus, but the bus had the green light and the 18-year-old was not wearing a helmet. To the NLCS, Philadelphia 10-6 winners over San Diego. The Phillies are up three games to one in the championship series. Reese Hoskins, two-run homer in the fifth after a first-inning homer as well. Kyle Schwarber hit a long homer to center. Game five, Sunday, a day game on FS1, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Chance of rain for that one. Houston up three games to none in the ALCS after beating up the Yankees 5-0 in New York. Game four of that series is tomorrow night. In the NBA at Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 44 points in 28 minutes. The Bucks ripped Houston 125-105. Giannis was 17 of 21 shooting from the floor. And in one of the late games, Denver had Nikola Jokic get another triple-double. It's just gone final, 122-117 over Oklahoma City. For Jokic, that's the 78th triple-double of his career, which ties Wilt Chamberlain for most by a center in league history. Back to you. Wow. Thank you, Steve DeSager. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. This is the Fox Sports Radio tailgate presented by the Big Green Egg. Nothing beats the flavor of live fire cooking on a Big Green Egg. It's the most versatile grill you'll ever own. Backed by a lifetime warranty. Roll with the best. Shop online for free delivery at BigGreenEgg.com. Lifetime warranty, free home delivery, BigGreenEgg.com. Jason, let's switch gears to the NFL, and obviously we'll keep you updated on some late-breaking stuff in college football. Most of the big games are final. Uh, you know, I, Let's talk a little bit about the Thursday night game, Arizona facing New Orleans. Arizona does get the win. We did see the video, though, of Kyler Murray telling Cliff Kingsbury to calm down, but not in those exact yeah, that's, words. Yeah, that's what he said. Sure it is. I mean, he said those words. Yeah, there there was did. some other stuff in the middle. But, uh, you know, in a week, let me, let me ask you this. We had a week where Tom Brady's chirping at his O-line, where Kyler Murray's chirping at his head coach. couple things. One, are those any different to you? And two, assuming, well, I don't want to assume, but if they are, if they're not, do you have a problem with either one? Uh, because I thought they're, they're kind of fitting that these both happen the same week. So, Not particularly. I don't have much of a problem with either one of them because the emotions of the moment and what's on the line and what's at stake and the pressure involved and everything else – and these are guys, and sometimes you just step out of line. And sometimes everybody steps out of line and says something that they regret. Now, Tom Brady has yelled at guys his entire career, so this is not exactly out of character for his level of competitiveness. And then, of course, you can look back to what he did the day before and then point to that, as many did, and say, not really okay. I heard Sean Payton on our airwaves suggest that. And basically say, yeah, that's not okay. And some other people backed up and said the exact same thing. I kind of felt that way. I, I tend 
to like Brady, but I didn't think that was the best move for him to make um, to go to the wedding the day before and then to come back. And then, but him yelling at the O line is not something that's out of character for him. And then for Kyler, I don't think Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury are particularly close these days. I don't know how long that's been that way, but I don't know how close they are. Uh, Kyler has struggled some without DeAndre Hopkins because he's the best player on the team. Despite the fact you're going to pay the quarterback the most money, Hopkins is the most valuable player on that team. And so you've had to deal without him um, pretty much all year long. So you've seen some adversity. You've seen some of that stuff. And Kyler Murray, there are knocks on him as it relates to his level of dedication and and whether or not he's coachable and things of that nature. And this can certainly add to those narratives. But just in the moment, him kind of barking back at his coach, I kind of just shrug my shoulders and say that probably happens a lot more than we realize. You know, it's and it's an interesting point that you brought up. It, it seems as though there is definitely some friction, you know, to some degree of, um, you know, with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, one, there was obviously the offseason stuff. Stuff was written into Kyler's contract. We know all about that. I assume... Cliff Kingsbury probably knew that was happening. I know he doesn't deal with contracts, but my guess is, you know, if if he was totally satisfied with Kyler's preparation on a week-in, week-out basis, probably I don't think the front office would think to put that in uh, without it. But then you also have in the preseason uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury talking about calling plays, and he let Kyler do it and said, this you-know-what is not easy. So I hadn't really thought about it, but you kind of stack these things up one upon the other. It does seem pretty clear that there is some friction between them. Uh, you know, do you think it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, listen, we've heard, listen, I, I'm, I'm not being critical. We've we've heard Kyler is difficult to deal with. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins late last year did say something like this offense need to get needs to get on page. But Cliff Kingsbury's resume also speaks to the fact that he's, not an elite coach, probably shouldn't be an NFL coach, period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was the right guy at the right time. They wanted a, a high-scoring offense. They had the number one pick. They knew they were drafting Kyler Murray. They needed a guy to coach him. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting point. I had never thought about the relationship between those two specifically. For the record, by the way, I have no real issues with that either. The, the cameras caught it. The cameras caught his words in slow motion, but I don't think it's unnormal for coaches and players to go back and forth. But yeah, it it does feel like there's something more than this just one incident between those two, Jason. Yeah, they both have the same problem historically in their careers. And, of course, you get Hopkins back on Thursday night and he goes over 100 yards in his first game back. You end up winning that football game as well. Even with us talking about what didn't happen on the field, we're talking about what happened on the sidelines between the coach and the quarterback. But what have these guys both been maligned for? Because I made this point last sure. fall about their records. Once you get around week 10-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood, Kingsbury falls off a cliff. He has his entire career. He did it in college as well at the only place where he could get a job at Texas Tech where he was a hero from his days playing quarterback. And as such, with him failing late in the year over and over and regressing and then you know the playoffs last year, they didn't even have a chance against the Rams in that game. That game was an embarrassment to watch. Well, his quarterback's been Kyler Murray the entire time he's been in the NFL. So both of those guys have experienced the exact same drop-off in terms of their win-loss, their production, all of that. And I think there is some degree – I would think – look, pride takes over at some point. Don't you think it's possible that both of them kind of blame the other one for the failure? 
I think a thousand. And that's got to be part of it, right? Like you look at that; they're both under a lot of pressure, but it can't be on me. It's got to be that guy. It's the play calling, and then from him, it's, it's this quarterback who won't listen to me doing all this kind of stuff. And as and I think that that can add to volatility. I don't disagree on any of it, and I, it does feel like it is like a weird public finger pointing where they're not directly pointing it, but if you kind of read between the lines, the insinuation is pretty clear. One, not just that they don't get along, but that two, it it does feel like this weird thing where they're not going to say it publicly, but you kind of know how they feel about each other. Very bizarre situation. Arizona does get the win, uh, but they are probably one of the more disappointing teams overall at three and four so far this season. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we wrap our two. Look ahead to week seven in the NFL. A lot of interesting games. I don't know if there's any great games, but I think there's a lot of interesting storylines in the NFL. We'll come back. We'll discuss it all next. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday evening. Uh, Nick Saban actually did address Jermaine Burton. We're working on that sound. Jermaine Burton, the player who pushed a Tennessee fan last week, did play tonight. We'll talk about that uh, coming up. Jason, really quick, um, and this might be something we revisit later on in the show because it is a pretty big story, but uh, we did find out earlier today that Russell Wilson – uh, is not expected to play. Not not is he not expected. He will not play tomorrow against the Jets. Obviously, the, the Broncos coming off a Monday night loss in L.A. You are Mr. Bronco. Uh, you know this organization really well. Grew up a fan. Follow him day to day, week to week. And like I said, we can revisit this a little bit later. But really quickly, just wanted your first reaction to that news, what it all means, and all that good stuff. I want Hackett fired. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I, 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 and look, I'm I'm not the guy that wants to do that so fast. But as much as I crushed Adam Gase throughout his time with the Jets, and of course you can look at guys like Matt Nagy, but Nagy had a good first year, and then it started to fall apart for him after that in Chicago. But Gase, okay, so Gase was a genius, and we talked about this offensive genius thing last week, Aaron. But He's a genius. He's a quarterback, just savant, and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, he looked real good next to Peyton Manning. Got away from Peyton Manning. He looked like Adam Gase without Peyton Manning. You know what that guy was? Unemployed. What is Nathaniel Hackett kind of known for? Being good next to Aaron Rodgers. Since you've mentioned him a few different times, you mentioned Cowherd. Um, I've heard a couple of different people, actually, uh, speculate and say that you are increasingly finding out that what Nathaniel Hackett's job was in Green Bay was to make Aaron Rodgers laugh, was to kind of be funny around him, to be personable, to kind of be his buddy, his friend. Didn't mean he didn't know anything about offense, didn't do anything, but maybe his role was a little bit outsized. So he gets to Denver. Doesn't seem to understand that his system, if it's so complicated – that Russell Wilson can't pick it up, if the receivers can't pick it up, if the offensive line is struggling, all this other kind of stuff, then you need to find a way to simplify it. Like You can't just continue to say, well, my offense works. That's just too complicated. Like that, That's not going to work. That, that's not a thing. But then timeout management, all these penalties, undisciplined football team, clearly not on the same page with your quarterback. All of these circumstances are adding up to an all-time terrible hire. And then you add to that, a quarterback that over the last few years in Seattle, when Russ cooked the most was the time when Seattle struggled the most. A lot of times it felt like 
it seemed to me that because you would always hear about week six, Russell Wilson's leading the MVP vote, and then mm-hmm. by week 14, no one's talking about it anymore. Because And that's why I don't do this MVP thing anymore. We could talk about who the MVP of the league is right now, but it's completely irrelevant because it's a week-to-week league, and there's so much football yet to be played, and somebody is going to do something special tomorrow, and who knows what that's going to be. But in Denver, you can see, and I read some articles from the Denver Post this week, and certainly in The Athletic, and Sports Illustrated, and everywhere else. I said to my wife Monday, on my birthday, as a matter of fact. Happy birthday, Jason. Yeah, and for my birthday... Uh, the Broncos lost I'm sorry. on a on a just a terrible football game against the Chargers. That's the other thing is they've been bad. Like it's like watching Iowa, <laughs> watching these Broncos games. I said to my wife who had who had already gone to sleep at this point. She woke up. She said, "Who won?" I said, "I can't watch my football team anymore. Like I, I can't do this anymore." And then Russ has the hamstring, but he was trying to help him win the football game. And then you know before he had the injections. I'm glad he's sitting out if he's not healthy. Brett Rippon is starting for the first time since 2020. The team is decimated with injuries. But Russ isn't playing well. He and his receivers just don't seem to have any kind of synergy. It doesn't feel like it, at least. But the play calling is abysmal. The clock management, and the decision making, and just the feeling of leadership and authority just doesn't exist on that sideline. There are guys that are great coordinators that aren't head coaches. There are guys that all of a sudden the Peter Principal takes over and you realize that guy should have been in this role. We promoted him too far, and now you know he's outclassed, he's outmatched, all of that. That's what it feels like with Nathaniel Hackett. The season's a wash. It's over. The Jets may win tomorrow. Matter of fact, they probably should, especially with Rippon playing at quarterback. But Nathaniel Hackett, it just looks like a hire that didn't work, and I wish they would cut bait on it sooner rather than later. I think we see this sometimes. I think we really do where, especially in the NFL, it it shouldn't be this bad. And to your point, there's a lot of guys that have made careers off being Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator, Tom Brady's offensive coordinator, Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator. Then they get that head coaching job. It's clear they should be a coordinator. Uh, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming up. We will look at the rest of the Week 7 slate. Big Sunday ahead. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Hour 3, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin taking you up until 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Bernie Fratto, of course, will follow us with the Bernie Fratto Show. Bernie will join us a little over an hour from now to preview his show. And as mentioned, we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Week eight of college football is basically done. We've talked about it a lot over the last two hours. If you missed any of it, go back and download the podcast. Week seven of the NFL got underway on Thursday night as Arizona took care of New Orleans. Lot going on, you know, for for a weekend, Jason, where in the NFL. I would argue there aren't really a ton of marquee games. Obviously, Kansas City at San Francisco Sunday at 425 Eastern probably is the big one. It feels like there there's a lot to talk about between Dak returning, between Russell Wilson not playing. You got the Packers on the on the brink. You got Tom Brady yelling at people. The New York teams are good. It, it I'll say this. I love the NFL. We all love the NFL. It goes without saying. 
there are just interesting conversations this year that haven't been there. I feel like the last couple of years, it's obviously, it's always Tom Brady. It's always Aaron Rodgers. And, and it's not that they're not compelling, but it's cool to see a New York Giants have success, a New York Jets have success. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, uh, you know, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Just a really, I, I think there's a lot of interesting narratives in the league right now. Definitely. I, I think... One of the most interesting things is if you came into the season in the NFC, particularly as a contender, your fan base is probably a little disappointed or a little Ooh. concerned right now. Jason, did you read my rundown? No, I, I have I, not seen your rundown, as I a matter know. of fact. Well, it's just chicken scratch on a piece of paper. What I was actually going to do, I was going to play a little, uh, it's not a really a game, but one of the topics that I do have written down is literally almost exactly what you just said is I was thinking about this. Obviously, the NFC East is awesome. But the three teams that, that you know, kind of have really just, you know, taken up most of the oxygen in the NFC probably the last two, two and a half years. Green Bay Packers currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Tampa Bay Bucks currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three. And the Los Angeles Rams currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Now, the 49ers are too. They just traded for Christian McCaffrey. That one feels a little bit different to me. You know, you had the quarterback injury early. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. You got Christian McCaffrey. If I told you Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Bucks, Los Angeles Rams, I think they all have glaring problems. I'll be honest, I don't think any of them get fixed this season. Like, like I know there's this notion of, oh, it's Tom Brady, trust Tom Brady, oh, it's Aaron. I think all three have glaring issues. Would you argue, if I said who are you most concerned about right now of those three teams, Tampa, Green Bay, the Rams, all sitting at 3-3, three and three, who would you say you're most concerned about? Green Bay for me. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because I don't see a receiver spontaneously arriving there. Like, if they go find somebody, and they should be looking, there's no question about that. I just, it feels to me like Aaron Rodgers, and I asked this question before the season started, and I, I, I wondered this all summer long with just how lackadaisical everything was. How dialed in is Aaron Rodgers? Agree. Like, how much does he truly care? Because there are moments where it just seems like he's just sort of floating through. And you can't do that in this league. And as great as he's been throughout his career, outside of playoff failures and things of that nature, we understand how talented he is and, and how many games he's won and what a legend in the sport he is. We get all of that. But he's been passed. Like Mahomes and Allen and these guys, they seem driven in a way that Aaron Rodgers used to be. But I don't see that guy right now because that guy, to me, would have been there in the offseason with young guys particularly and maybe wouldn't have you know screwed around long enough to where Devontae Adams couldn't figure out whether or not he was going to be there or not and decided to go somewhere else. And you can see, and we've, we kind of knew that this was going to come to a head. Mahomes has been able to do a lot with his new cast, but they still miss Tyreek Hill. The Packers desperately miss Devontae Adams. Now, I'm worried about the Bucks because of the offensive line, and we knew that going into the season as well. The Rams just don't look right, but there was a stretch last year where they looked all wrong as well. Green Bay, to me... Their defense hasn't been elite, but Rodgers seems halfway checked out, and the receiving core is just flat out not very good. And now you've got Randall Cobb on IR as well, so take him off the list. 
that's why to me it's the Packers. So I would actually agree. I, I think it's the Packers too. Is I, I do think the the Rams have some unfixable things, but I, I don't feel like the building is on the brink of collapse. And I and I, I feel like I I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I feel like with the Rams, like like there are flaws, but I still get the sense the the fifty whatever guys in that locker room like each other and everybody's getting along. In Tampa, I don't get the sense that, that that they like each other. When I saw that Tom Brady, uh, you know, rant the other day, what it kind of reminded me of was, and I know, and we mentioned it last hour, is like, you know, Brady's lit into his teammates before, but what I saw there was almost like a, a coach where the team is checked out on him. I kind of felt like I don't think these young guys really want to listen to him anymore because the one thing about Tom Brady. You've always known that he's a hundred percent locked in, and you know if he yells at you, it's coming from a place of I am giving it every single ounce that I have, um, and I just want to elevate you to my level. I don't think he is this year, and I know he had the weird comments about being deployed in the military and all that stuff. But you know, goes to Robert Kraft's wedding. Um, you know, obviously he's going through personal stuff. That's okay. You're 45 years old. You're going through a divorce. I understand why you have. Uh, you know, why you can't be fully locked in. You're literally trying to save your family. I understand that. That's okay. But at the same time. You can't be chirping at everybody like it's 2007 with the Patriots and we're all, you know, rowing in the same boat here. So I don't I, I think there's something that doesn't feel fixable in in Tampa. And but and I feel like there's something absolutely not fixable in Green Bay as well. And with Green Bay, a couple things. I mean, one. You know, you're, it's a it's a super big cliche. It's obvious, but actions do speak louder than words. And and Aaron Rodgers' actions uh, over not just this past off season, but the last several off seasons have been. I have interests outside of football. Um, you know, I, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. I'm going to deal with my contract negotiations. But Jason, I, I keep going back to, and I think we talked about this at the time when he when. Devontae Adams left. That to me was like the ultimate red flag because what you saw was this guy signs the biggest contract in the history of football in terms of annual salary, Aaron Rodgers. And I remember thinking, okay, that's that's kind of weird and I wonder how it's all going to work with Devontae Adams, but I assumed that you know, it, there's they're going to figure out a way, and I don't know how and I don't know how the cap works and I can't, but they'll figure out a way to get Devontae Adams paid too. And when Devontae Adams Obviously, he was traded, but you know he leaves for the Raiders. It becomes obvious that Aaron Rodgers' sole goal going into the offseason was to become the highest-paid player in the NFL, not to do what was best for the Green Bay Packers. And more importantly, this guy that's supposed to be he's super close with and one of his best friends and that you know whatever. It's clear that he didn't have the pulse of what his buddy wanted to do, which meant that he wasn't as as tight with Devontae Adams as as we were led to believe and so I I guess this is all just a long-winded way of me saying we have about a two three four year track record of this guy isn't all the way in and when he's not all the way in everybody else you can feel those vibes but more importantly when the talent around you isn't as good when you have rookie wide receivers when you have an offensive line that's dealt with injuries this is what happens and to your point I don't think it's fixable this year I don't either and I just I don't see the I don't see the want to right now. I know what Aaron Rodgers is saying. I just don't necessarily I'm not watching them and feeling any degree of urgency coming from the quarterback position. And I don't know that the head coach is equipped to make him do it. I don't know if anybody is, because if anything has been proven over the past couple of years in Green Bay, it's that Aaron Rodgers calls the shots. Because he's the one that shows up when he wants to. 
he's the one that you know holds out as long as he wants to and all these other kinds of things and in effect costs you Devontae Adams along the way. He's the one that has pretty much controlled things for a long, long time. And the fact that you don't have a, a legit owner, that the that you have all the stakeholders and everything else across there, I think that all of that just plays into him basically walking around like he, feel, he feels like he's got a crown on. And what we've learned, and I think we knew it already, Devontae Adams is real good. He's not somebody that you go out and replace. And the question, my one of my biggest questions entering this season was – what were we going to learn about Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill? We already knew they were good, but could they be replaced? We've said, at least for me, outside of Aaron Donald, Tyreek Hill is one of one. You just don't find what Tyreek Hill does pretty much anywhere else. Well, Devontae Adams was the best route runner, and he was the best first three yards after the snap guy in the league, and he found a way to be there for Aaron Rodgers all the time. Nobody is doing that right now for Green Bay, and again, when you didn't work with these guys all through the offseason, and then you kind of have passively aggressive or passive aggressively taking shots at them here and there during the regular season, you can do that as a leader, but you haven't really led. Yep. You're just kind of upset because you don't have that guy anymore. I don't, I don't understand why you thought you did, and I don't know that he did. I, I, I just, it just doesn't feel like a good scenario at all in Green Bay right now. Really, quick. And the Vikings are winning, too, even though yep. I'm not even sure they're good. That, and that was going to be a point of mine on Tampa. And really, it, it fits for the NFC West as well, but but especially with Tampa. That division is so, you know, just wide, wide open is a, a polite way of saying it stinks. And so, so Tampa has, uh, in Carolina tomorrow, obviously Carolina just traded uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Then on top of that, they do play on Thursday, them being Tampa. Uh, really quick with the Rams. Uh, you know, they're another one. I, like I said, I, I don't get the sense that that there's as much friction in the locker room as those other two places. I do think they have real holes, though. Rams are three and three right now. The wins are against a bad Carolina team last week, uh, a bad Arizona team, a bad Atlanta team, and so three games against pretty solid competition: thirty-one ten loss to the Bills, twenty-four to nine loss at San Francisco, and then the Cowboys beat them a few weeks ago with Cooper Rush. I, like I said, I, I don't think it's it's as dire as those other places, but I, the offensive line is struggling. Uh, deep threat at wide receiver is a real thing. They're another one. I, I, I'm not saying that – I don't know. I just don't think it gets fixed. I don't think it gets fixed this year. The Rams, like I said, they had that stretch last year, and I, I've asked this question a couple times, is I don't understand what's happened with Allen Robinson. I, I don't know what's going down. I know he's been banged up a little bit here and there, but they just haven't done anything with him. And the Cam Akers thing has been really strange, but Stafford just hasn't played very well. I don't know if the injury during the offseason has played into it at all, but he doesn't look the part. The offense is completely broken, and that's Sean McVay's baby. Like, if it went for the defense, things would be even worse for them. But the thing about it is, because the division itself has been so mediocre, everybody's still in it. Everybody in the NFC West still has a potential shot at it. All they have to do is right the ship a little bit. Doesn't even necessarily mean you have to fix everything. Just means you have to make a couple of moves here and there. And that's what San Francisco attempted to do with McCaffrey, which is where I think, you know, maybe we can talk more in depth about that because I actually think that move is going to backfire on the 49ers. Ooh, well, 
That, folks, is what we call a tease in the business. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming up. We talk about the big trade from Thursday. Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Jason Martin says it'll blow up. He explains why next. Fox Sports Radio. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night. This is Fox Sports Radio's tailgate presented by the Big Green Egg. Nothing beats the flavor of live fire cooking on a Big Green Egg. It's the most versatile grill you'll ever own, backed by a lifetime warranty. Roll with the best. Shop online for free delivery at BigGreenEgg.com. Lifetime warranty, free home delivery, BigGreenEgg.com. Jason, before the break, you know, you talk about a tease. You said 
you hate the Christian McCaffrey trade and the 49ers stink. Okay, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but uh, you said not that, quite. <laughs> you said that uh, you don't think it's it, it's quite what people expect. Obviously, tr- Christian McCaffrey is a 49er. If you missed it earlier, Adam Schefter has reported that he will play tomorrow. So, give me your thoughts, Jason. Give me your thoughts. So. It's actually pretty simple. There's two different things that historically have been true. One about the organization that he just went to, and then one about himself. Christian McCaffrey, entering the season, missed 23 of the last 33 games of his career due to injury. He's been hurt more than he's been healthy. He's a little bit undersized. That was sort of the knock coming out of school. Now, obviously, he's ripped and everything else. And when he's been out there, he's been incredibly successful and versatile, and he's been solid. But he's 5'11", and he's a guy that, again, has been hurt badly. I'm looking right now at, a, I guess, a, a gambling website. Chance of injury in 2022 entering the season for Christian McCaffrey, 84%. Durability of 5 out of 10. In 2016, he missed a game. Uh, that one against Notre Dame with a hip pull. So that was before he got to the league. Then in September of 2020, hurt. November of 2020, hurt. December of 2020, hurt. September of 21, hurt. November of 21, hurt. Was ruled out for the rest of the season. I don't think that's the full list, but that's some of the list. So that's half of it. You have... Given up a good bet. Now, look, picks can be vastly overrated, and you needed some help, and you didn't want somebody in your own division to get the guy. But he's been hurt an awful lot. And here's the other thing. You know what's happened to San Francisco a lot over the past three, four years? Their running backs get hurt, like, all the time. Raheem Mostert has actually been healthy in Miami. The entire time he was in San Francisco, he seemed to be hurt. His backup, Elijah Mitchell, was hurt. A lot. Jeff Wilson has been hurt at times. Right now he's healthy, but he wasn't going to be the first option going into this season. This is a team that has fleeted through like four or five different running backs. Dudes get hurt all the time for some reason running the football for them. They're banged up everywhere else, and now they bring in, I'm just going to say it, it's not a phrase I like to use very often, a dude that seems to be kind of injury prone at the running back position where they've had absolutely no luck at keeping guys healthy. That's why I don't like it because history tells me that dude's going to get hurt. I pray that I am wrong, not because I'm rooting for the 49ers. That has nothing to do with it. I I don't want to see him hurt, and I like to watch him play football. He's very, very talented, and he's 26 years of age. But – That dude's hurt all the time, and he just went to a team where running backs have consistently gotten hurt for years. And you want me to think that he's going to be healthy throughout the rest of the year? I will believe that when I see it. Let me ask you a question. Does anyone think it's anything other than a really nice piece? Like RP, and maybe I just have missed it. Are people making the argument like he is the missing piece? Hand them the Lombardi Trophy. I, I, maybe I missed that. Has that been the conversation since Thursday uh, Thursday night? I, no, not, not. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen that much on the topic specifically in terms of what it means for their Super Bowl contendership. But in a wide open NFC where you really just don't know who's good, like you think Philadelphia is good, 
and they look to be good, but do they look like they're unbeatable? Not really. Like not, They don't look like one of those teams to me. Maybe they are unbeatable. We'll find out by the end of the year. But they're in a division where they can win that division. The 49ers can't, even with the injuries. I mean, they, they are absolutely ravaged with that. They've still got a problem at the quarterback spot, not just with Trey Lance going down, but Jimmy Garoppolo's been up and down, which that's been his career for the most part. But I think that because the NFC seems to be so wide open, maybe the feeling, I don't know what the odds move to for the 49ers, but okay, so it's a nice piece, but is it? Like, is it a nice piece if he gets hurt and he's not able to contribute? And that's my fear for him because I was sure he was going to get hurt again. One of the big so Deontay Foreman, who's now going to be running the ball for the Carolina Panthers, he backed up Derrick Henry last year right here in Nashville where I was covering the Titans, and he was super successful after Derrick Henry went out because the scheme that they had and the way that he ran the football was very similar to what Derrick Henry did during the off season. He left. And a lot of people in Nashville were upset about it because he went to Carolina for $2 million. And they're just like, why wouldn't you keep him? Well, maybe he didn't want to be here. But why would he not want to be here? One of the reasons is because maybe he thought he had a good chance to play because he was going to be playing in front of a guy in Carolina that couldn't find a way to stay on the field. That's my only issue is you gave up. I mean, you didn't give up a first rounder, but you gave up some assets and we don't know what you're going to get in return. I'm not saying I would not have done it. I'm just saying I don't think that it's going to end up being this huge move if anybody out there believes that. And maybe they don't. Maybe they're more moderate on this than I think they are. But I feel like you hear Christian McCaffrey's name and you get super excited because of what he was in fantasy three years ago, and you forget about the fact that the reality, not the fantasy, is that he's been hurt so often, and there's no reason to think that all of a sudden he's going to be relentlessly healthy in San Francisco. The one thing I will say about it is I, I do like some of the stuff that's come out from, uh, you know, John Lynch and the people there that, you know, and, and I think everybody knows it, but, you know, I mean, I, I still I still like that they're admitting it is that, like, they're going for it right now. And, and I respect, not only do I respect that about them, um, but I also, this kind of, by the way, proves why I never understood the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. I get that you spent a top three pick on Trey Lance, but this isn't, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting Trevor Lawrence and completely rebuilding. This is a team that their Super Bowl window before Christian McCaffrey was right now. So why are you going with the, the, the second-year quarterback that we're not sure about when we know Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to get you to a Super Bowl? And so I only bring it up because this is only further confirmation. It was confirmed again by John Lynch in his public comments of like, yeah, by the way, uh, this is we are going for it. We believe our window is now. And oh, by the way, maybe in a uh, you know a disappointing NFC that we've talked about, where the Rams aren't very good in your own division, where the Cardinals are underachieving in your division, where the the Bucks are more beatable than they've been since Tom Brady has been there, since uh, where the Packers are more beatable uh, than they've been in a long time. Uh, maybe this is your year to get back to the Super Bowl. But to me, it just speaks to again. I never understood the Jimmy Garoppolo aspect. I never understood why you had to play Trey Lance when you had a quarterback that is good enough to get you to the Super Bowl. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we get to another story in the NFL. I think it's one of the most interesting ones in the league. Two teams seemingly out of nowhere playing really, really, really well. We'll discuss that next. Before we do, though, Steve DeSager. 
What's trending to Sager? We'll get to college football in a minute, but what a comeback for the Philadelphia Phillies tonight, beating the Padres 10-6. AP pointing out that the Phillies are trying to become the first third-place team to reach the World Series. Remember, this was the year they added a wildcard team to each league. So the Phils are the number six seed out of six playoff teams in the National League, and they're up three games to one. They were down four zip tonight to San Diego in the top of the first, but eventually hit four home runs, two by Reese Hoskins, and 10-6 is the final. The last time the Phillies won the pennant was 2009. They won the World Series before that in 2008. They have a chance to clinch tomorrow. Game 5 Sunday is a day game on FS1, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Chance of rain in Philly for that. Zach Wheeler against you, Darvish. The Phillies finished third in the NL East, 14 games back of the first-place Braves. And the team they're facing, the Padres, finished 22 games back of the first-place Dodgers as a second-place club in the NL West. Houston, meanwhile, top seed in the American League, and they have yet to lose a playoff game this year. 5-0 tonight's final over the Yankees in New York. In fact, they held the Yankee offense to just one hit in the first eight innings. They've beaten the Yanks 8 of 10 over the year. Jose Altuve had a double tonight that ended in 0-for-25 to start the playoffs. But the Yankees as a team, 1-for-24 in those first eight innings for the game. Three hits total, 11 strikeouts. Aaron Judge 0-for-4. He's 5-for-32 And the Yankees season could be ending tomorrow night because game four in the ALCS is 7 p.m. Eastern time. Astros up three games to one. Now to college football. Here are the three late games. Washington had plenty of yards in the first half and only led 6-0 at Cal. California leads 7-6 against the Washington Huskies with about six minutes to go in the third quarter. San Diego State has started the second half and leads 13-7 at Nevada. And starting the fourth quarter, Wyoming at home is up 20-14 against Utah State. Among the other games, we've talked about Stanford on this show. They were actually favored today against Arizona State, which tells you everything you need to know about Arizona State football. Stanford wins the game 15-14. Arizona State pounded Colorado 42-9. In the SEC, we talked earlier about the A&M loss, lost at South Carolina 30-24. Fox's Bruce Feldman says the Aggies, who are last in conference in scoring, near the bottom in the nation, they've gone nine games now against FBS opponents without scoring more than 24 points. It's a full year, in fact, without scoring more than 24 in a game against a real opponent. Calendar year? It is, yeah, 12 months. Unbelievable. For mm. Texas A&M. Unless you're playing Sam Houston or something like that. Yeah, no, nothing over 24 points. So for what it's worth, they were preseason number six this year. I think that... that Jason, w- what do you think about preseason that polls? That confirms what we all yeah. think about the preseason yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not the <laughs> biggest fan. I, I've never really had the opportunity to speak on this no, before. No, not once. But I, I kind of wish that they didn't exist because they create artificial for hurdles reason. for certain people. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, people uh, BYU often talks about, hey, we were national champs in 1984. Yeah, well, these days, how they vote, you wouldn't have been in the top five with that schedule for crying out loud. And then they'd say, oh, we played a a team that was like top five, Pitt. Well, Pitt finished with a losing record this year. And Texas A&M was preseason number six, and they have a losing record right now. So it does happen, and it will continue to happen. In the late NBA game, we'll get to more college football in a moment. The Clippers are leading with a minute to go. 109-104. Paul George has 40 points. 
Kawhi Leonard is out for rest. I'm not kidding. What? <laughs> they played one game this year, Thursday night. Don't you know? I, I don't want to do. I don't want to do the cliche <laughs> radio host rant about load management. But my goodness, <laughs> I won't do it. We got too much football to talk. Thank you. Kind of did, but that's all right. Oh no, I got way. I got way more. You know, uh, in the in the holster on that one. But but we'll spare it for another night. So uh, back to college football. Syracuse was the one resting in the fourth quarter today. Uh, Clemson came back with a 27-21 win. 17 points in the fourth to take that game. LSU came back to beat number seven Ole Miss 45 to 20 on FS1 tonight. Undefeated and eighth ranked TCU came back to beat Kansas State 38 to 28 on Fox TV today. Bo Nix at Oregon had five touchdown passes in a win over UCLA 45 to 30. And 11th ranked Oklahoma State got two touchdown passes in the last 10 minutes to beat Texas 41 34. Victories in the top 10 for Ohio State, Tennessee, and Alabama. Wins also for Penn State, Wake Forest, and Tulane. Number 21 Cincinnati won 29 27 at SMU because SMU did score two touchdowns in about the last five minutes but missed a late two point pass. And yes, quarterback Russell Wilson of the Broncos with a bad hamstring is out for tomorrow against the Jets. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. Sager will rejoin us here in about 10 minutes from now to get you caught up on everything else that we missed throughout the day in sports. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. On a Saturday night, we are, of course, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studio. So, Jason, before we got to DeSager, I did say two teams. Um, surprises, interesting, intriguing, and um, they have one thing in common. They both are based in the city of New York. Uh, Jets, three straight wins since Zach Wilson came back, including against the Green Bay Packers, who we just talked about, and the New York football Giants sitting at 5-1 and one after beating the Ravens on Sunday. Do you have uh, – I think they're both really good stories. I, I really do. I think Brian Dable has really uh, – I've been really impressed by what he has gotten out of that team. Uh, the Jets, listen, they, they've taken the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands, but it doesn't matter. You've won three straight. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if the quarterback is – you know, whatever. I, I think both are really good stories, and I know nobody nobody you know rallies around the, the little plucky underdog from New York, but – I think they're both good stories, and in a year where, again, we've talked about it for the last hour, the Rams are down, the Bucks are down, the Packers are down. I think teams like this, it's cool to see them have success after both. Neither of them has been very successful the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no question they're good stories. Do I think either one of them are great teams? No. Um, but I think that they're both – we talked earlier about Texas. You're seeing strides being taken by both of these teams. The offseason for the Jets was good. The fact that they've actually shown up in spite of quarterback that the quarterback is a weak spot, and that's going to be the thing that stops them. But their defense is all world right now, and Brees Hall looks like an absolute steal the way he's running the ball. Garrett Wilson's going to be good. Looks like Elijah Moore might not be happy, but maybe they'll be able to work that out, or at least they'll, they'll find a destination for him at some point in the future, even though they said for now they're not honoring his request for a trade. But they're playing pretty solid football. They're probably going to beat Denver tomorrow, I would think, with Brett Rippon at quarterback. Even with a defense that's solid in Denver, um, it feels like the Jets can get that going. And then the Giants, I still don't really believe in Daniel Jones. He's, uh, and I don't think 
He's the worst quarterback I've ever seen, but he's not going to win a Super Bowl for you if it comes down to it. But Saquon has found a way to stay healthy and kind of return to form a little bit. The other thing that needs to be talked about when it comes to the Giants specifically is that Dable didn't just come in here. The The biggest problem for Denver is that not only does Nathaniel Hackett not have any coaching experience, uh, almost nobody else on the coaching staff does either. That's something think was really talked about enough um, during the offseason when you looked at this on paper it doesn't make sense if you go back and you see that a lot of these coaches are first this is their first job or it's their second year in the league or all these kinds of things like that when you look at the coaching staff for the Giants I mean you've got Wink Martindale out there that dude understands defense. He was great in Baltimore. He's somebody that knows exactly what he's doing. You have this across the board. They went and hired smart guys. Brian Dable didn't just walk in and assume that this was going to be easy. He's loaded up his sideline with guys that know what they are doing, including his coordinators. And certainly he knows what he's doing. And so I think that that's the best, the best thing I could say about the Giants is they look like a well-coached football team. Yep. And as somebody who's a fan of one that looks all-time bad <laughs> right now, uh, it really, really stands out when your coaching staff knows what they're doing. And it just seems like when the Giants are playing, it feels like what they're doing is exactly what they were asked to do. Yes. They're disciplined. They're, they're playing within themselves. They are maximizing what they're good at and minimizing what they're bad at, and credit to them for that. Well, and I think the other thing, too, that stands out with them specifically is, yes, they've been terrible forever, which leads to an easy schedule. But they're winning the games they're supposed to, even if it's ugly. They took care of the Panthers, took care of the Bears. Uh, Green Bay, obviously they're not as good as we thought, but at the same time, like that's an impressive win, and then obviously rallying to beat the Ravens. But to me, you know, I, I think especially early it was, well, the schedule isn't good, this isn't sustainable. It's like, well, we still have to give them credit for beating the teams that they're supposed to. You know, We do a lot of uh, you know cross-college football uh, NFL analogies here, and it, it was like Michigan early in the year. It's like people, well, they didn't play anybody. It's like, yeah, but they beat everybody like... Like 50 to nothing. Like, like we do have to give them some credit, and that's how I feel about the Giants as well, is that they're taking care of the teams that they're supposed to, um, and, and, you know, I think they're gaining confidence in a week-in, week-out basis. I'll say this, too, really quickly with the Jets. I, I, I really am impressed with, with what they have become over the last couple weeks, and like I said, um, I understand that you draft Zach Wilson, number two overall. You want him to be something that he isn't right now. But Brees Hall has been awesome. The defense gets after it. Um, and, you know, they were just, they, they were in complete control of that game in Green Bay for most of the game last week. Um, just really impressed by what they've done in year two under Robert Sala. Yeah. And again, they, what is Sala supposed to bring? He's supposed to bring toughness and defense and passion. And that's what you're seeing. We can mention Cowherd again because he actually made that point a few days ago on his program. He's exactly right. And, of course, J-Mac is about as big a Jets fan as you'll find, and he'll certainly back that up as well. But they're running the football. They're not letting Zach Wilson make a ton of mistakes, which maybe is going to help his growth because a lot of his a lot of this has been taken off his shoulders. They're playing inspired defense, smart defense, and confident defense. And that all comes from the head coach because his identity seems to be 
totally what you're seeing from the Jets on the field. So, yeah, these are. I don't think either one of these two teams is what you were expecting to talk about going into the year. I do think that we thought the Jets would be better. I do not think we thought the Jets would be this far along on their road and that's a good thing. Like, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that comes out of nowhere. Last year, Cincinnati kind of emerged out of nowhere. Do I think the Jets are going to the Super Bowl? No, I do not. But the Jets have made things interesting. The Giants have made things interesting. For a New York football team or for two to be relevant at the same time to when you see them as the afternoon matchup or the Monday night matchup or the Thursday night matchup, not immediately trying to decide what else you can watch, that's a positive for the NFL. Jets very well could get their fourth straight win playing Denver without Russell Wilson tomorrow, as we discussed. And, of course, the Giants going for a fourth straight win as well in Jacksonville. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We will close out the hour, bring back Steve DeSager. He has a lot to catch us up on that we missed throughout the day. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, DeSager is next. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. It was a busy Saturday in sports, and as we do every Saturday around 1240 Eastern, bring in Steve DeSager to get you caught up on what you missed. DeSager, what do you got for us? couple of college football items first off, and then we'll mention exactly how bad things are for the Yankees. But today <laughs> we had in the ACC a college football home game for the Miami Hurricanes, and they were leading late third quarter against Duke 21-17. Oh, no, DeSager. Miami no, committed eight turnovers today. After that late third quarter lead, Duke had the next four touchdowns to win the game 45-21, to so an early losing record in conference for the Canes so far. But as far as something newsworthy, nothing tops the Montana State Weber State game today. Yes, thank God. I I asked Aaron Torres if we could lead with this. I believe this is the biggest story of the entire day. If you've seen the video, it's pure sadness. Astounding. Weber State early in the, well, can I call it a game? It was it was a joke at, <laughs> at some point on special teams. Weber State back to punt from about their own 20, and the snap was not only high. It was so high past the punter that it landed near the goalposts for a safety. And then they came back out and punt later in the first half. And this one was bad and passed the punter and scooted through the end zone for a second safety in the first half. And believe it or not, late first half, Weber State has to punt again. And they're only trailing, uh, like, by three points at this point. And believe it or not, this. And this one again is going to fly into the end zone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Three safeties in the first half. It's wild. So then we go to early third quarter. Weber State is only trailing 27-24. Back to punt. And this one again. Into the end zone. Record. There's a new FCS record. record. (laughs) Four safeties in the game. They lost by five points. The final score was Montana State 43-38, thanks to four gift safeties. Just astounding. It's the worst day in the history of snapping. (laughs) Like, there's not not a towel. There's nothing that's happened in a locker room. 
that is as bad as what you saw from Weber State. I felt sorry for that kid. Do you not have a fourth-string non-scholarship linebacker at that point that you could just teach at halftime? It's Dude, I would bring amazing. somebody out of the second row. Be yeah. like, hey, are you done with your soda? Come, come on out here. You can't possibly be worse than this. Yeah, It's just crazy. I'd never, ever heard of something like that. On the positive side, we must mention on the FS1 game tonight, eighth-ranked TCU was trailing at home 28-10 late in the first half, but beat Kansas State 38-28. TCU is 7-0, so it has defeated Oklahoma State and K-State in back-to-back weeks. Congratulations. Meanwhile, the Yankees' season might be over tomorrow night. They've got a home game, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday night, but they're down three games to none to the top-seeded Houston Astros. Houston beat him 5-0 this evening in New York. The Astros have a chance to eliminate the Yankees in the postseason, for a fourth time in the last eight years. This would be the most that any team ever has eliminated the Yankees. The current record is three. The only teams to be eliminated more than four times by a single opponent were those eliminated by the Yankees over the decades. And if you go back even just a little over a decade, the Yankees appearing in the ALCS, this would be the fifth straight LCS series that they have lost. And that would set the record. And the LCS has been around for over 50 years. So it's just stunning, the domination, particularly this year, because they've met now 10 times. Houston's beat them 8 of the 10. And this note from Bob Costas on the postgame tonight, that the Yankees have led in only two innings this year against Houston. Two out of the 91 innings they have played against each other. Remember when the Yankees fans were so mad because they thought Houston cheated them out of a World Series? Absolutely. Maybe maybe, maybe it wasn't just the banging of the, of the trash cans, all right? so Houston is in the ALCS for a sixth straight year. Is this the year they finally punch, uh, you know, legitimately get the World Series trophy? But to dominate the Yankees like this. I mean, this topped everything. The AP stat, again, in 10 head-to-head matchups this year, the Yankees have had the lead. They've thrown just 13 pitches with the lead all year against Houston. Thank you, Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Some incredible stats as the Astros take a 3-0 lead on the Yankees. Coming up, we preview Week 7 in the NFL. Bring on Bernie Fratto. One hour left, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Hour four, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, Bernie Fratto will join us about 20 minutes from now as he does every Saturday night into Sunday. It's still Saturday here on the West Coast. Bernie Friday in about 20 minutes. By the way, if you missed any of the college football talk, we recap Texas losing, Texas A&M losing, Oregon winning, LSU winning. Make sure to go back and download the podcast shortly after the show. The podcast will be available. Jason, let's get into week seven in the NFL. As we've said many times now, Arizona did open the week with a win. We talked a little bit about Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury. Let's get to some of the Week 7 games, though. You know, it's a little bit of a lighter slate here in Week 7. You got one game, Torres, with uh, two teams with a winning record. Huh. 
I one. Don't, which one? I don't even India see. India at Tennessee. You got three, Woof. two, and one well, we versus three and two. We ain't that's, talking that's about that the one. one. Yeah, well, I know. That's but that's isn't that a we stat can, though? We yeah, I was gonna say we could break down this Cal Washington game that's going on too. It doesn't mean we're going to, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that, uh, I did not see that. I obviously the big one was was KC uh, San Francisco, and I know San Francisco uh, has a uh, has a five hundred record, so that was why I was I was I was scr- I was trying to figure out on the fly which game it was that you were talking about, but. Uh, maybe we'll get to Indy uh, and Tennessee in hour five of the show, but <laughs> let's start with uh, let's start with the big one in San Francisco tomorrow, uh, four twenty-five Eastern. It's the Fox game of the week. San Francisco hosting KC. You know, obviously from the San Francisco perspective, I think we talked about it a little bit. Uh, we talked about it a lot. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is there. Adam Schefter reported this evening that he will play in this game. But to Jason's point, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's the big picture with San Francisco, McCaffrey's got to prove he can stay healthy. Uh, but but I, I, I do like the move. I do like what it says. Uh, I also think it's very interesting they're getting an angry KC team coming in off of that loss to Buffalo on Sunday. What do you make of this one and what probably is the most intriguing game of week seven Jason yeah I mean it's a road game so that makes it a little bit more interesting from just what's going to happen perspective but San Francisco is still just so beaten up especially defensively they are missing some of their key contributors that's not what you want when Patrick Mahomes is coming to town especially off of a loss the way that the game ended against Buffalo last Sunday I just look at the Chiefs and say, that's still a really good football team. Are they? Do they have a couple of flaws? Are they as strong as they've been in years past? Maybe not. I mean, Tyreek Hill, you have been able to, to find some things with some of these other guys, but nobody has fully come in and replaced 10. And then defensively, you still have what you usually have, but you've also still got some guys that can get after the quarterback. I look for Jimmy G to make a couple of mistakes probably in this game, most likely because he's going to have to continue. They're going to have to keep trying to push the football because Kansas City is going to be able to score on them. So that's why I like the Chiefs. Also, look, if McCaffrey is going to play and you're hearing that the likelihood is he is – most likely going to suit up and play. I don't know how many snaps that is. I don't know what that does. I know Jeff Wilson had a horrible game last week for them. It just kind of, it's a weird time to catch the Chiefs, and it's not really an advantage for San Francisco in this case, I would say. Yeah, it is a weird time to catch the Chiefs. You know, they have the big Monday night game, get the win. Uh, Then they have the big Sunday game, get the win. Next week they have a bye, but they fly cross-country in between. Just kind of a weird kind of scheduling deal. Uh, yeah, I don't really know that I have like a, a super strong opinion on this one. Um, I, I don't really see KC, uh, you know, falling to four and three in the lead up to the bye. Uh, if they were coming off a big win over Buffalo, I do think it would probably be a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I, I'm just more intrigued to see, you know, how much does Christian McCaffrey play? Does he bring a new element to this offense? And then obviously San Francisco, you know, c- can they start to, or maybe it's not them, you know, build a little separation in the NFC West wide open division uh, as nobody has really stood out so far how about them Dallas Cowboys they are hosting the Detroit Lions the big news of course that Dallas will welcome back Dak Prescott of course Dallas is coming off the Sunday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles where the Eagles 
you know, don't want to say they dominated, but jumped out to the big lead. Uh, Dallas rallied late, but it got a little interesting there for a little bit there in the fourth quarter. But Philly holds on to win. Dallas now with Dak Prescott back, and we will see what happens as Cooper Rush went 4-1 and one as his replacement, Jason. Yeah, I think last week, though, you saw why Cooper Rush is a replacement. Cooper Rush, and he's going to have an opportunity. There are guys, there are spots for that in the league, and you need guys that are like that that can come in and give you a little bit of a boost for a few weeks, not have your train go careening fully off the tracks because you lose QB1. But we know Dak Prescott's quarterback. We always did. I don't think anybody that really pays attention thought, oh, there's a legit controversy here. Like, No, there's not. There's a controversy in New England. There's not one in Dallas. But you have to ask the question, and I think a lot of people did on Monday, what's different about the game last Sunday between the Eagles and the Cowboys that Dak Prescott is playing instead of Cooper Rush? I still think the Eagles win the game because I think they're the better football team. But Dallas has an elite-level defense, and they've got the Lions coming to town. That's actually more intriguing than it looks because Detroit's one of the best offenses in the league in terms of yards and points scored with the big aberration being the game against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. I want to see what the defense looks like and see what Detroit can do offensively against them. Dallas was, I still don't believe in McCarthy. And I'm just curious to know if that game, if there's any kind of hangover for Dallas. I don't think you're catching an angry Dallas. I think you're catching a Dallas getting their quarterback back. But is that going to take some time? to sort of reestablish itself, and can Detroit make that thing interesting? I think they might be able to. Yeah, a couple things. One, Detroit is coming off the bye. Two, you know, I do think, like, the blueprint on how this Dallas team should be trying to win was pretty well established under Cooper Rush, is is run the football, rely on that pass rush, rely on Micah Parsons. Um, And Dak is an upgrade over Cooper Rush. Uh, And so if you're getting a a better quarterback, uh, better quarterback, slightly better quarterback play uh, with all of the elements that you already had, that's a good thing. It's just does Dak try to do too much? Do they try to appease Dak too much in his uh, return? I I think it's going to be an interesting one from my perspective. Uh, A couple couple other quick ones. Again, the the slate is a little bit light here. Uh, Tampa, Carolina. I'll tell you this, man. We we, we talked a lot about Green Bay. We talked a lot about uh, the Rams. Rams and, and Tampa was kind of in that conversation elite hour three. I, I don't think this is getting fixed. Now, I do think they, they're probably going to beat a Carolina team that is obviously in rebuild mode. They trade Christian McCaffrey this week. They obviously uh, got rid of Matt Rules, the head coach, a few weeks ago. But you look at Tampa, three and three right now. The wins were over the Saints in a game where it was three to three going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know the Cowboys. Dak gets hurt late, and then of course they took care of the Falcons in division. But you lose to the Steelers last week. You obviously uh, it wasn't even competitive against the Chiefs. It, you lose to the Packers. I just look at this team like uh, you know in terms of a preview. Like I, we don't have to like pretend that the Panthers you know are going to win this game. But I, I just I look at the at the the box and I say you know the, it's going to be a quick turnaround to Thursday night, um, you know you got the Rams right after that. I just I, I don't I don't like what I've seen from this team throughout the season, Jason. I don't either. This will be one where they get one back. Um, Carolina is in free fall. Obviously, you get rid of McCaffrey. That's not going to make you better in the short term. They don't really have a quarterback at all. Doesn't matter who's playing. Um, they've got an interim head coach. They don't. They got rid of Robbie Anderson on top of everything else because he wasn't happy there, and I think that dates back to not really ever wanting to play with Baker Mayfield to begin with. They're one of the worst teams in the league, 
and they got worse, and it's exactly who Tampa Bay needs to see because Tampa Bay needs – what Tampa Bay really needs right now is to go throttle somebody because mm-hmm. that's going to make Brady feel like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And we haven't seen that. We still know – and I think the thing, the, the thing that gives me more confidence about Tampa than, for example, Green Bay right now is I know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and those guys are really good. I don't know if Green Bay's receivers are good, but I know Tampa Bay still has a lot of talent. Their O-line's trouble, and it's going to be the thing that holds them back from winning a Super Bowl, but I don't think it's the thing that's going to hold them back from winning the division at this point because the division pretty much stinks. With all due respect to the Falcons who have played their guts out and Arthur Smith's done a really nice job, and the fact that they've been as competitive as they have been has been a massive surprise, just like it has been for the Seattle Seahawks doing the same thing in the NFC West. Tampa has a road that should be a fairly easy pathway, and this is exactly the game that they need to kind of springboard them to remembering that they're good at this football thing. Really quickly, Pittsburgh at Miami in the Sunday night game, return of Tua. Do you have any sense for like what we should expect for, from Tua? I mean, one, obviously he had some pretty uh, stark comments about the, the moments after that big hit. Uh, uh, you know, really he hit the ground more than the hit itself But uh, against Cincinnati, but, but he obviously spoke about it for the first time this week. Glad that he's healthy, glad that he's cleared concussion protocol, but it has been a few weeks. They are hosting Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday Night Football. Again, just a weird game to put on Sunday Night Football. Not a division rival. I don't think anybody really loved either of these teams coming into the season. Doesn't really matter. It is the game that we're getting. Uh, do you just just in general with Tua? I mean, do you have any thoughts on what we should expect or what we what we can expect from uh, from Tua tomorrow night? I don't know. I'm hoping that he looks the part, and I'm hoping he has a good game. And I actually think it's a lucky break for NBC because the Tua factor makes this intriguing. The fact that he's been out for a couple of weeks, and we don't necessarily know what's fair to expect or certainly what we should see tomorrow night or now tonight in some parts of the country from the Miami Dolphins with Tua. We know what they look like without him. It wasn't all that great. They had quarterback issues galore. Bridgewater got hurt as well. And then you had somebody I'd never heard of that was playing quarterback for them the last couple of weeks. Skylar Thompson? Before Tua got injured, that's right. Before Tua got injured, Miami was one of, if not the story of the league in the first few weeks with what they were doing and how they were racking up yards and the big-time comeback that they had against Baltimore and everything else. So maybe we can look at that as a blip on the radar if they show up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh always plays with pride, but Miami, as long as Tua is healthy, Miami should win this game in a walk. Like, it shouldn't even be relatively close. We'll see whether or not it is. And again, the Tua factor makes it a little bit intriguing just because there's no reason to have any expectation exactly as to what he's going to look like because... We don't know exactly how healthy he is and how much he's been able to practice. It is amazing how quickly things change in the NFL. The Dolphins start three and zero. They beat Buffalo. We're talking about them as you know one of the the, the best teams in the league. Obviously, Tua gets hurt on that Thursday night, and it, they are zero and three since. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, coming up. We will head out to Vegas. Bernie Fratto will join us. He will preview his show, the Bernie Fratto Show, at the top of the hour, talk about news and notes from throughout the week. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Bernie Fratto is next. This is Fox Sports Radio.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. This is the Fox Sports Radio tailgate presented by the Big Green Egg. Nothing beats the flavor of live fire cooking on a Big Green Egg. It's the most versatile grill you'll ever own, backed by a lifetime warranty. Roll with the best shop online for free delivery at BigGreenEgg.com. Lifetime warranty, free home delivery, BigGreenEgg.com. And when you hear that music, every Saturday about 1.20 Eastern Time, it means only one thing. We're going out to Vegas. Bernie Fratto. You can hear him at the top of the hour, the Bernie Fratto Show. He's, of course, on Friday nights into Saturday as well. Bernie, my man, what is going on? Well, you know, not for nothing, guys, as we watch the Yankees fold like a cheap chair and get shut out tonight by the Houston Astros. The last time the Yankees were shut out in the playoffs was 2017 by the Houston Astros. The last time the Yankees were shut out at home during the playoffs was 2015 
by the Houston Astros. So there you have it. Hmm. Barney, do you know the last time that the Astros led a series three games to none? I have to. I, I, I'm not good at these stump the Schwab games. I'm going to have to defer. I, I'm not going to win the toaster oven on this one. All right. So why would I ask a question like that? What would well, the answer likely be? Correct. You probably never have. I, this is I, the first yeah. time ever. Well, you know what? Baseball is an odd, different, idiosyncratic game, and I'm going to talk about that tonight. I think the Dodger fans should take heart. I know they're sitting there watching this saying, wait a minute now. The Phillies won 87 games. We won 111. We could have beaten them. They were 14 games out. We beat the Padres 14-19. and But I'm going to give a bunch of very interesting stats tonight. Baseball's like no other sport. 80% of the time since 1907, the team that wins the most games in baseball does not go on to win the World Series. Flies in the face of the NBA and the NFL, which are decidedly much higher percentages. Burn a uh, little bit of a quiet Sunday in the NFL coming up tomorrow. Uh, might make people want to look at some of those prop bets, those over-unders. Give us some do's and don'ts if you want to make some prop bets this weekend. Well, as always, I think the key is you 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 look for spot plays. You look the the, the key in handicapping is to look for strengths versus weaknesses. So you look at a situation where I believe Baltimore, the best prop bet for me tomorrow is the Baltimore Ravens' first half uh, team total over 13.5. I look for the under in the Denver team total. The Jets have the number ninth-ranked defense. They're only allowing 313 yards per game. Now it looks like Russell Wilson won't play. By the way, what is this with Russ and hamstrings? Your name is Russ. You pull a hamstring. Was was uh, was Wilson coming off the bench too? All right, I digress. By the way, the Denver's committed 54 penalties, the most in the NFL this year. I am not a prop player, as you guys know, but unders and dogs continue to cash at an alarming rate. If you just blindly had bet the underdogs since day one, 114 games this year, you'd be 38 and 55. That's 11 units. What do I mean by that? Bet the underdog in the money line you'd win outright. If you bet underdogs, you'd be cashing at 59%. The unders are at 61%, 57 and 37 and before Thursday night. Any primetime game, and we'll have one Sunday and one Monday, the unders were at 68%. Why? Right now, guys, it's cyclical. Defenses are ahead of offenses. It's as simple as that. And that leads to unders, and that leads to underdogs. And case in point, in the last two years, Scoring in the NFL is down eight points per game in the last two years. Well, do you think that would also spell why the Jets and the Giants are having success, right, Bernie? When you look at Salah and that team being dominated by defense and his mentality, and then the Giants smartly, Dable knows offense, but we know Wink Martindale knows exactly what he's doing defensively. Well, first of all, Dable has been the best hired probably a decade. It's not just what he was able to do with Josh Allen. It's what he's able to do on game day. His influence on game day is off the charts. Thank God for the Giants. Saquon Bartley, Barkley has been healthy because Dable knows how to use him. And the Giants' defense metrically wasn't bad last year, and you add Kayvon Thibodeau. Plus, we talked about this, I think, back in August, guys. Take the flyer 8-1 to one for the Giants to go from worst to first. They can win 10 games in that schedule without beating a single playoff team. And in those 10 wins, none of those teams are more than 60-1 to to get to the Super Bowl. As far as the Jets, look at their roster. Brees Hall can play. Zach Wilson could play. I always thought he could. And you, you hit the nail on the head, Jason. Robert Sala's defense is the point of attack. Looks very much like that Niners defense three years ago. You get on the field with them, that's tougher than a night. And it's tougher than a $2 steak, I should say. 
Bernie, just in general, how do you handicap a weekend like this where there's so much uncertainty? We know that Russell Wilson today was ruled out. Carson Wentz was ruled out. Christian McCaffrey is in for the 49ers. Uh, Tua is back off of a major concussion. Uh, you know, I, I, is it just as simple as when there's so many variables, you just eliminate games off your card, or how does it all oh, work? Yeah. Go ahead, Bernie. Go ahead. You know, yeah, no, you, that's a really, really good point. The first thing I do is go up and down the card, and I eliminate games. And then you look for those market inefficiencies. You look for those strengths versus weaknesses, and then you see if the numbers jive. For instance, I played San Francisco plus two and a half. Now, why would I do that? Yes, they have a bunch of injuries, but they're also getting a bunch of guys back. Kansas City is 8-18 eight and 18 as a fra- uh, against the spread as a favorite. When they're coming off a loss, you're always paying the Kansas City tax now. They've played three tough gauntlet games, and they go across country to play a pretty game San Francisco team. Could I be wrong? Sure. I grabbed the Lions plus seven points tomorrow. Why? Dak is only 7-17 and 17 against non-divisional opponents, and there's a bit of an overlay there. I already liked the Gents before I found out Russell Wilson was out, and I haven't fired on the Houston Texans yet, but I'm getting close. I'll tell you why. They're laying eight. The Raiders, this is a team, they rank 31st in sacks, even though they've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. They are allowing their opponents in the red zone to score 83% of the time. They allow 26 points per game. That's 28th in the NFL. And the Raiders have not allowed, uh, they have not held any opponent under 20 points. And they're laying eight points. So to answer your question, you take a bunch of factors into consideration and you try to see if the, the, the price you're paying on the game is value versus what it should be based on the matchups. Of the three, Bernie, Rams, Bucks. Packers, who do you trust most? Bucks by a mile. They have not reached their ceiling yet. I talked about the Packers last week. I thought that defense would be so much better. You've got seven first-round draft choices on the field. Why are they not? Their defensive coordinator is a moron. Joe Barry has taken a group of guys and put them in a scheme that's least effective for their talent. Now, I'm qualified to speak on Joe Barry because the last year I covered the Lions was 2008. They were 0-16. Who was our defensive quarter that year? Joe Barry. So that defense is a mess, and, and it's not producing anywhere near uh, where I thought it would be. Uh, the third team was the Rams you mentioned? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It, okay. Yeah, it was, okay. Yeah. Everybody's asking, gee, what's wrong with Matt Stafford? Nothing. This is Matt Stafford, ladies and gentlemen. Why do you think he was 10-65 and 65 in Detroit all those years against teams with a winning percentage? You know, comes out the gate last week, throws a pick six, has to make up for it later. Again, I like Matt Stafford. My beef with people is in the 12 years of the Lions, he was there. Four of those years, the Lions had pretty damn good teams. He couldn't do anything with them, most notably the 2014 team when they were 12-4, and four, had six pro bowlers and the number two ranked defense turned the ball over late in the fourth quarter twice and allowed Dallas to beat him. You saw what happened with Joukowsky Tart. He doesn't necessarily have Von Miller and, uh, and, and OBJ and that whole pack of guys to, to back him up this year. So, he, you know, Stafford's a guy you're going to win with, not because of. This is just who he is. There's nothing wrong with his arm. He always plays hurt. He's tough. He plays hard. I like Tampa Bay of those three. Mark my words, you get it in December. Tampa Bay will be in the playoffs, and they'll be uh, better than people have seen. Last one for me, Byrne. Uh, I think you have a little bit of a story on one better losing a million dollars. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. It happened in six hours here at Caesars Sportsbook this last Sunday. And by the way, the sportsbooks did have their best weekend in years 
Why? Because in the morning games alone last week, four NFL underdogs won outright. So what does that do? That kills all the money line parlays, kills all the teasers, the usual domino effect. One poor better put 390000 on the Jags plus three. That lost. 330000 on the Buccaneers minus eight. That lost. And then 330000 on the Browns minus two and a half. And, of course, that lost. Added up in six hours. Lost all three for uh, just a little over a million dollars. A million and 50000 and the, to the best of my knowledge, it was not Mattress Mac. <laughs> Were you say something, Jason? No, you're good. No, I was just going to say really quick, a minute or less, uh, Bailey Zappi, buying or selling? Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I like Bailey Zappi, but first of all, number one, the odds makers have told me that Mac Jones is still three points better, and I get it that Bailey Zappi has lit it up against Detroit and Cleveland, but let's pump the brakes. Zappi was 24-39, 309, two touchdowns, had a 118 rating against Cleveland. Well, hell, last year in November, Mac Jones played Cleveland also. He was 19-23 for 298, three touchdowns, and a 142 rating. So let's pump the brakes. One final thing, guys. One final thing. Thursday, Vegas put out odds. Georgia has opened up as an 11.5-point favorite against Tennessee November 5th. Woo! And Ohio State has opened up as an 8.5-point favorite against Michigan on November 26th. Grab your popcorn. Wow. Bernie Fratto. Hear him at the top of the hour, the Bernie Fratto show from 11 p.m. Pacific until 3 a.m. That would be 2 to 6 on the East Coast. Bernie, we will be listening. Thank you for your time, uh, and have a great show. Thanks, guys. You guys have been having a great show, and I've been listening. A lot of great energy. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Bernie Fratto. You can hear him again at the top of the hour, the Bernie Fratto Show. Also, make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. Coming up, uh, I actually want to talk a little bit about Bailey Zappi, but also a report around Bailey Zappi and the QB situation with the Aaron, New England Aaron, let me ask you a question before we get to oh, the singer real okay. fast. Lay it on me. 11 and a half? How are you 11 and a half? Yeah, like... Okay, I get I get that George is good. Tennessee scores on everybody. Do we really think Georgia's defense is that much better than everybody else's in the country this year? Last year we could maybe have that argument. Eleven and a half sounds like a gift to me. Again, not a gambler, just not something I do. But man, would I be hammering Tennessee at eleven and a half? I'll I'll just say really quick before we get to DeSager. Um, it fe- it definitely feels like a lot. Um, and by the way, you know, the, the odds makers, Bernie has laid it out many times, you know, th- there's a lot of variables that go into what they do, um, but they miss sometimes. I mean, you know, they were, Tennessee was a seven point favorite when we weren't, a seven point underdog, excuse me, when we weren't even sure if Bry- Bryce Young would play. Doesn't mean that what they do is wrong. Doesn't mean that whatever, um, but sometimes they whiff. And to answer your question, yes, I would absolutely, uh, that absolutely feels like way too much. Um, because the other thing too with Tennessee, and I know we got to get to DeSager and we don't need to do two hours on Tennessee here, but um, like their defense is actually playing very well the last couple weeks. I mean, the, the LSU team that ran up and down the field on Ole Miss all day today was basically held in check by this Tennessee team. So I think, you know, outside of the offense, I think there's a myth that, you know, they, they have to score 60 points because their defense gives up 50 in the last two or three weeks. That really hasn't been the case. I'll tell you what, we could discuss that next. I have another story I want to hit on as well. Sure. But before we do, though, uh, final time this evening. We do need to get to Steve DeSager. 
Yeah, Tennessee's last road game, they were up 37-7 in the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) While you were talking NFL, these NFL notes, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones with a bad ankle, listed as questionable for Monday night against the Bears. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor due to return from the ankle injury this weekend. Giant safety Landon Collins will make his season debut tomorrow. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett is cleared. As for the Chargers, wide receiver Keenan Allen with a bad hamstring, a game-time decision for Sunday against the Seahawks. The Chargers are going back to kicker Taylor Bertolet tomorrow since Dustin Hopkins is injured. The Lions gave their punter Jack Fox a three-year extension. Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay was activated. Ravens tackle Ronnie Stanley is questionable as Baltimore hosts the Browns due to illness. Green Bay activated wide receiver Sammy Watkins off IR. Quarterback Carson Wentz of Washington was officially placed on injury reserve. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson with a hamstring injury is out for tomorrow against the Jets. And Vikings run back Dalvin Cook was fined about $7,500 for throwing the ball into the stands after his game-winning TD last week. As for the late college football, we had three late games. Wyoming at home has won 28-14 over Utah State. San Diego State's leading 23-7 at Nevada with eight minutes to go. And we've got about five minutes left in the Pac-12 game. Washington holding on 28-21 at Cal earlier today on Fox TV. Number 10 Oregon beat number 9 UCLA 45-30. to Bo Nix five touchdown passes. Ducks led at halftime 31-13. The Bruins had been 6-0 and but now Oregon's won six in a row. 6-1 and overall. The only undefeated team in conference. Number 2 Ohio State led Iowa 16-10 to late in the first half. 54-10 the final. C.J. Stroud four touchdown passes in the second half. Iowa on third down conversions was one for 13. In fact, the Hawkeyes had six turnovers and only eight first downs. Their only touchdown came on the early fumble return for a score. Next Saturday on Fox TV, Ohio State at Penn State, noon Eastern time. Number 16 Penn State was a winner tonight, 45-17 over Minnesota, which has lost three in a row. Sean Clifford, four touchdown passes, one interception. Speaking of the balls, they led 58-7 early third quarter, beat Tennessee Martin 65-24. Number three Tennessee will host Kentucky next Saturday night, then plays at Georgia. Number five Clemson needed 17 points in the fourth quarter to beat Syracuse 27 to 21 and quarterback DJ Uyong Uy- <laughs> so, I do same thing so he, was pulled after his third turnover Clemson did go 2 for 2 on field goals both 44 yarders so 8 and 0 now Clemson off next week Notre Dame's next two games are at Syracuse and against Clemson. Number six, Alabama winner tonight. In fact, up 24-0 at the half. Bama beat Mississippi State 30-6. Although Alabama as a team had 27 carries, just 29 yards rushing, including the four sacks. LSU trailed at the half but beat number seven Ole Miss 45-20. Tigers with 35 first downs, a combined 61 first downs in the 60-minute game and over 900 yards of offense. LSU is off next week, and then it hosts Alabama for first in the SEC West. Ole Miss still has to play Alabama next month. Number 8 TCU on FS1 tonight was down 28-10 late in the first half, still beat Kansas State 38-28. Oklahoma State came back to beat Texas, Wake Forest, and Tulane with wins. Cincinnati held on 29-27 at SMU, which scored late but missed a two-point pass. In the National League Championship Series, Philadelphia is up three games to one after beating the Padres 10-6, and the Padres had scored four runs in the top of the first, losing pitcher Sean Manai in relief, allowed 
allowed five runs in an inning and a third. Phillies hit four home runs tonight, two by Reese Hoskins. Sunday's Game 5 will be a day game on FS1, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Chance of rain in Philly tomorrow. Zach Wheeler against Hugh Darvish. In fact, gentlemen, we have a chance that both pennants could be clinched tomorrow. That hasn't happened on the same day in 30 years. But Houston in the American League is up three games to none with a game four at Yankee Stadium Sunday night. They blitzed the Yanks in New York 5-0 today. Yankee offense had just one hit the first eight innings. Houston still undefeated this postseason. And tomorrow's starter, pitcher Lance McCullers, had his start pushed back to Sunday night from today because he was hit on the elbow by a champagne bottle in the Division Series celebration. (laughs) To the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo with an incredible evening in Milwaukee. 44 points in 28 minutes in an easy win over Houston. He was 17 of 21 from the floor. Clippers' Paul George with 40 points in a two-point win at Sacramento. Denver got another triple-double from Nikola Jokic and edged Oklahoma City. Dallas beat up Memphis. Luka Doncic in 30 minutes had 32 points, 10 assists. Boston's 3-0 after winning at Orlando. 40 points for Jason Tatum. And Philadelphia is 0-3. It lost at home today to San Antonio despite 40 points from Joel Embiid. Updating the Pac-12. Cal with the ball. Down 27-21 at home to Washington. Three minutes to go. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. Jason, we asked you, we just asked Bernie a minute ago about the Brady, uh, Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones situation. Did you see the story out of Boston this week? Uh, ben Volan, who covers mm-hmm. the team, this is unbelievable. This is another one. Like, like we talked about the the Saban Jermaine Burton stuff earlier, uh, where I just don't understand like why is this not a bigger deal? Boston Globe beat writer for the uh, for the New England Patriots. Basically uh, got a DM that basically said that uh, Bailey Zappi had won over his teammates because guys in the, in the uh, facility really do not like Mac Jones at all, that he has an attitude, blah, 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 this and that. Um, some, basically he said he had an attitude problem and somebody in the know sent him a DM. Barstool Sports published the DM and it was from a fan who readily admitted that they knew nothing. Since then, Ben Volan has apologized, and like again, I said this with the with the uh, Jermaine Burton stuff. I'm not Mister Be outraged by everything. The fact that I, I like you're a journalist that works for the mm-hmm. Boston Globe, and like oh, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like what what is going on in our profession, Jason? Like I I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just I like what would even go ahead. The floor is yours. Look, I don't we can it. make look. You can make mistakes, and mistakes happen to everybody. Ben Bolin's been doing this for a long time, and he has a lot of respect. It is amazing that he got got that badly. And the thing about it that's kind of strange to me is like, wouldn't you, before you actually put this out there, wouldn't you just verify it? Yes. Like if it's said by one person. Whether it's a whether it's a source or not, I'm still if I'm if I'm a journalist in this case, if I'm Ben Volan, I'm immediately gonna check with some other sources and be like, hey, I haven't really heard anything about Mac Jones having an attitude. Is that a thing? Like I I, I didn't know that was a thing. Tell me what's going on. I, maybe he's been good around me, because I think you'd find out relatively quickly that that wasn't accurate at all, or that it wasn't sourced and it was just some random human being that had an account. That got you. I think, the, again, this goes back to the same point. Volan got got because Volan put out information that was 
titillating without verifying it first because the information was titillating. Like, you want to be the first one. You want that to be a story that's under your byline. You want that thing. You want that story first. You want that information first. Man, you got to verify it. Like, I, I don't care where it's coming from. I got to make sure that that thing is accurate. I mean, he's going to be fine. He'll get over this again. He's done a lot of great work in his career. But this is a bad, this is a bad mark. And that's the wrong organization to do it with, too. It's the wrong organization because they're so tight-lipped about everything that now they're just like, all right, well, Volan's a clown, which I yeah. don't necessarily, which I don't believe at all is true. But this is just a bad look, and it was very easily avoided. Yeah, and I and I know that there's you know vague gray areas between what you print as a newspaper writer, what you say in passing, what you tweet, all that stuff. But like, it wasn't that long ago, and I'm sure it's happened even more recently, but I remember probably about 10 years ago, uh, a guy got fired at the New York Times because he was making up quotes. Um, and he should have been fired. Like That's very ethically wrong. This is basically the same thing. Now, he didn't put it in a story that I know of. He just said it in passing on a radio interview. Uh, but uh, it's just a bad look. And I, I'm just surprised that Again, people in our industry are not calling him out. I mean, I, I can't speak for you, Jason, but I know that here and there, uh, people DM me stuff all the time. I would never, ever even consider saying, and now, now, will I, to your point, follow up? Well, if it's something about the Tennessee football, will I try to reach out to somebody at Tennessee to say, hey, I heard something crazy, blah, 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 blah. But if I don't know anybody at Tennessee or if I don't, if I can't confirm it, I'm not going to, I'm not saying it out loud. I just, I think it's a really weird look. I think it's a really bad look and, uh, and uh, another crazy story in our business. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, one segment left. We will come back, make our week seven picks. That's next, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, now Fox Sports Sunday in many parts of the country. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin taking you to the top of the hour. Bernie Fratto follows us, the Bernie Fratto Show. Bernie takes you all the way up to 6 a.m. Eastern time, getting you ready for a busy Week 7 slate in the NFL. Tell you what, Don, give us a little music when you can. Put us in the mood. Uh, and, Jason, let's just talk some of these big games. Uh, just uh, Let's just go through them really quick. Let's start with the, the one that I think everybody's excited about, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, of course, is coming off that loss to Buffalo. Big news here, San Francisco has traded for Christian McCaffrey. He is expected to play, according to Adam Schefter. What do you make of this one? Who do you think gets the victory? I think the Chiefs are the better team. I think they're the healthier team. I think they have the better quarterback. I like both coaches. I like the matchup. It's Super Bowl rematch, as a matter of fact, from years ago, and you still have the same two quarterbacks, actually. Uh, because of Lance's injury, you still got Jimmy G and you still got Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what McCaffrey's going to do. It's going to be interesting to see how they utilize him, considering they just acquired him three days ago. But I think just the fact that there's so much new there, plus they're still so banged up, I like the Chiefs. I think I like the Chiefs too, and I think part of it is just you know coming off a loss. I think we're going to get the best version of them uh, tomorrow. Really quickly, one game we did not talk about earlier: Seattle at Los Angeles. The Chargers, that is. Uh, Both teams coming off nice wins. You know, the Chargers obviously took care of business on Monday Night Football. Seahawks looking good at three and three, better than expected, I think, for Seattle at this point. You have any strong opinions on this one? Again, not a ton of marquee games this week, but Seattle playing at Los Angeles. Uh, Again, I think Seattle playing 
playing probably a little bit better than we gave them credit for in the preseason. Oh, no question about it. We thought they'd be one of the worst teams. And Gino has maybe earned himself another job. Like, I don't think he's a long-term guy for Seattle, but will somebody else give him a shot? Will he certainly get a backup role now? One would think so. They've run the ball pretty well. They've played pretty good defense. Justin Herbert's still better. Keenan Allen may have a shot to play in this game. Um, it, you know, even though it's a shorter week for them because they played on Monday, I just think the Chargers eventually have to get this thing really moving in the right direction. And if they want to keep pace with the Chiefs, they've got to win this football game. So I anticipate that's exactly what will happen. Speaking of playing Monday, uh, your Denver Broncos hosting the Jets. No, for people who missed it, no Russell Wilson tomorrow. I assume that means you like the Jets, Jason. Uh Yes, I yeah. do. I just, I mean, Brett Rippon hasn't hasn't started a game since 2020. I just don't think Nathaniel Hackett is equipped for what he's being asked to do right now, and I think he's, he'll be exposed even further by a second-year head coach and Robert Sala tomorrow. Speaking of second year, well, I guess he's not a second-year head coach. I was going to say Jacksonville Jaguars have a second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, first-year head coach in Doug Peterson, first-year head coach for the New York football giants, Brian Dable, uh, who has been excellent so far. Jags are favored in this one. Uh, Giants have won three straight, including that win last week against Baltimore, two weeks ago against Green Bay and London. Got any strong thoughts on this one? I don't know what Jacksonville team shows up. They're having a little bit of a conundrum with their running back situation. I I don't know what they're doing with James Robinson, but ETN is starting to kind of separate himself in terms of being a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as run it for you. Lawrence has been Jekyll and Hyde. There have been spots where he's looked really good and spots where you've just been kind of baffled by what he's done, especially against Houston. The Giants, even if I don't trust Jones, I think they're a little further ahead right now. I trust their defense a little bit more and their consistency. Going on the road, it could go either way, but I'll take the Giants. Last one, you know, another one we didn't talk about. We did talk a little bit about the Bailey Zappi, uh, you know, just the, the, the stories that came out from New England. Uh, they are at home against the Bears on Monday night. I assume you like the, the Pats here, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, I guess I guess anything could happen. It's not like the Patriots are some juggernaut, but they're going to play good defense. Fields is not looking very good, and he doesn't have much help around him. I, I think either Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi would beat the Bears on Monday. Two quick finals of college football late. Washington beats Cal 28-21. San Diego State takes care of Nevada 23-7. we got to get out of here. want to thank the crew, producer Bo, Don on the board, Steve DeSager. For my partner Jason Martin, I am Aaron Torres. If you missed any of the show, go back and download the podcast available wherever you download podcasts. Coming up, Bernie Fratto is next. The Bernie Fratto Show. He will get you ready for week seven of the NFL. Fox Sports Radio. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. 